We are the Adventuring Guild, and this is the Home Brew Review. Thank you for joining us once again for another episode of Homebrew Review. We've got a special episode for you this week. We've got one new player joining us from Patreon all the way from Australia. One heck of a plane ticket or might just be a Skype call. We're not going to give out any secrets yet. So uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started here in a moment. We are running for you guys Lost Tales of Mythdranar, which was the exclusive adventure put out for the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. So I am really excited to get this all started. Uh, with me at the table, I have Micah, Hope, Virgil, and Brayden. And we will go ahead and let them all introduce themselves, and we will get started. Once again, our music intro and outro was brought to you by our very own Virgil Nelson. Uh, go ahead, and we will get started. Once again, I'm Micah Holmes, returning for my... I don't even remember how many sessions I've been in. Um, I will be playing the Marshall State variant human provided to us by Rich Howard at Tribality, and I will be utilizing the Fury Crafter class uh, developed by... I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right because it's a really weird spelling. Uh, Krill from Reddit. Uh, the... Class is, if any of you may have caught it, a, uh, a homebrew version of the Fury Crafters from the Codex Alera series written by Jim Butcher. Um, I'm a huge fan of his work, and after reading that series and finding this class, I just knew it was only a matter of time before I got the chance to play it. Uh, and of course, as far as the variant human, many of you have probably realized I play a lot of humans on this game because of inspirational reasons and trying to find as many different ways to play a human as possible is a big deal to me because you know after a while it just kind of gets old being the same oh i'm a human um so the and, and any anyone anyone who is interested in finding a little bit more versatility in your humans definitely check out the uh the human variants on tribality they give a lot of options to use that can really add some flavor um the Fear Crafter gets some really interesting abilities that I'm looking forward to utilizing. Um, Fury Enhanced Strikes that let you boost your attacks with the innate powers of the elements that are so common from the series. It has a really good feel. Um, you have spellcasting abilities that are kind of reminiscent of the Paladin. You only get a few spells, but they're fairly solid utility if you, if you need them. Um, However, the Fury Enhanced Strike lets you use those spells to boost your uh, damage, which is what I'm going to be utilizing as the metal variant that are more martial-based and melee combat-focused. So being on the front lines, it's really going to be a big help to me, and I'm looking forward to doing what I can to be the best defense is a good offense kind of character. Hi again, I'm Hope, and I will be playing Nala Greywhisker, the Cat Sith Cleric. Uh, the Cat Sith we cannot find the author for, so we apologize for that. If you know who wrote it, please let us know and we will give all credit. 
Uh, for the cleric, I'm going with the Balance Domain, which is also homebrew by Garbonium on Reddit. So shout out to him for that. It's going to be really fun. Uh, what drew me to the class was, well, I really like cats, and so it was really interesting to see that there is another cat character, and this one seems to be not too out there, as some of them were, so I'm really excited to play that. I chose the Balance Domain because I really like the idea of how it's really neutral. It doesn't go with, you know, it has to be all good or it has to be all bad. It's, there has to be that yin and yang of good and bad. So some of the uh, features with that that really show off how that bounce is I have karma points, which I use for healing or damaging. But the catcher with that is if I heal someone, I have to also do the same amount of damage to someone else. And so that's just really interesting to me, and a lot of the uh, healing spells do the same effect. So I think that'll be really fun to play, since I'm not just only healing, I also get to do damage. Hello everyone, this is Virgil, and I will be playing a Damn Fear Sorcerer. <clears throat> the Damn Fear Clap or Race. The Damn Fear Race is uh, by Benjamin Huffman of Sterling Vermin. Um, it has three sub-races, the Dread Blood, the Noble Blood, and the Feral Blood. Uh, for this session, I'm picking the Noble Blood. Uh, the Dread Blood gives intelligence uh, bonuses, as well as a bonus to saving, uh, giving disadvantage or making it harder for opponents to succeed uh, illusion or frightened effects. The Feral Blood is gives a bonus to strength and then lets you use a hit die to turn uh, your unarmed strikes into that hit die size and makes them uh, overcome magical resistance and immunity. And the noble blood, which is the one I chose, gives bonus to charisma since I'm a sorcerer, as well as letting me use my hit die for opponents saving throws against illusion or charm effects. I can roll a hit die and add whatever that roll is to the DC of that effect, making it much harder to break out of or break through. The race is really solid. It has a lot of perks, but it also has some uh, setbacks, such as sunlight sensitivity, uh, which if you have ever played a drow, no sunlight sensitivity when you're outside is just a bear to get over uh, sometimes. But it also lets me roll a hit die to ignore that effect for 10 minutes if if push comes to shove. Uh, so I'm going to be playing The Damn Fear by Benjamin Huffman. For my bam, uh, for my sorcerer, I'm going to be playing The Vampiric Bloodline by Jonaman3000. Uh, I really like this archetype. It allows a lot, a very wide variety of bonuses to the sorcerer class that you wouldn't normally get. So I'm very excited to uh, see how it works. Uh, bonuses to dark vision. Uh, I get uh, my hands are like vampire claws, so I can do a d6 and use my charisma for the damage. Eventually I'll get like the vampiric regeneration, but as 10 hit points every turn. I'll get extra attacks, I can shapeshift, I can get the charm. So basically as you progress in levels down the vampiric sorcerer, you become more like a vampire or the, mo the monster version of the vampire. All, I, what really drew me to this class is just how well it, it themes out. Uh, as a damn fear, you're half vampire. Uh, being a vampire, a vampiric bloodline sorcerer just totally made sense for the two of them to pair up. As well as their abilities just really match well. Being able to focus on charms that the vampire usually gets 
and using your own racial abilities to make it harder for opponents to get over uh, really helps. Also, uh, Sterling Berman made a racial prestige class uh, for the vampire, which the damn fear helps lead into. So if you're really wanting to in your own campaign to be a vampire, go for it. Look up these things, and it can add a lot to a campaign with this inner conflict in your character. Uh, what I expect out of this class is probably a lot of crowd control and bar and ranged magic. Uh, unfortunately, the sorcerer doesn't get any armor bonuses, and the vampiric sorcerer doesn't give them to you, so I am sitting at a whopping 10 for an AC, <laughs> so I plan to be up front, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Not for long, at least. Uh, but I plan on be using the versatility of the charm effects to make the to shape the battlefield to our advantage. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Brayden. I am Australian, and I'm going to be playing Moonburns. He is a sculptor, which is a class made by Ross Lisa on the DM skill. As the name suggests, he is a skeleton. In particular, the awakened undead skeleton from Walrock Homebrew, also on the DM skill. Moonbones draws divine energy from Salune, the Moon Maiden, who saved him from his former undead life and restored some of his memory of his previous life as a sunwash. He sculpts the energy she grants him into objects, tools, and of course his favorite shield, which he used to act as a divine defender in her name. I've had my eye on both the class and race for a while. I can only predict that the skeleton is going to lead to a number of unique situations, particularly with roleplay and ruling, as I am an undead creature. Now, the sculptor is awesome. It's a beefy martial half-caster, has a ton of different customization options. Uh, you get to initially choose where your mana comes from, granting access to different spells lists. Um, you get to choose where, uh, what weapon you specialize in sculpting your mana into, which then leads to a boatload of unique abilities revolving around that weapon. I'm really excited for some of the shield options that I get later in the class. Um, I'm excited to test Moonburns out on the front line, since he specialized in use of a hefty two-handed shield and has a protecting, uh, protection fighter style. I'm excited to be able to guard over some of my allies. And since he draws mana from the Divine, he has access to the Paladin spell list, which offers some fun offensive and defensive capabilities, with some of the use of the smites and a number of healing spells. I'm also excited to try out some of the sillier racial traits the skeleton has, such as being able to take off my own arm and smack someone with it, or <laughs> use my hand as a set of thieves tools. Yes! <laughs> I'm expecting the class to be uh, well-balanced and fun to play with. Uh, the only slight downside I might see right now is uh, it has a lot of uh, class abilities that are geared towards combat, particularly in the later levels. I think that the only thing that might be lacking is a few more fun sort of utility or ribbon abilities that don't really affect the class's power, but instead just add a little roleplay flair every now and then. I'm expecting the race to be incredibly interesting. So. Playing as an undead creature uh, has plenty of upsides and downsides when it comes to being affected by spells and abilities, and not to mention it will lead to a ton of roleplay opportunities considering we're in Hillfar, Hillspar, so um, the people are either going to be afraid of me or want to kill me. But luckily, uh, Moonbones for the most part keeps himself hidden. I definitely foresee this race um, with its immunity to poison damage and the poison condition uh, being considerably powerful, but I'm still on the fence about whether the rest of it is going to make it super powerful or just middle ground, but we're going to find out. Um, as said, I'm the first Patreon member calling in. I've been playing D&D now for the last three or four years, and 95% of that time has been spent DMing, so 
I'm excited to step away from the DM seat and jump in as a character. I also consider myself an avid homebrewer and have a number of documents up on the DM skill, including two bestsellers, not trying to uh, brag or anything, but uh, The Industrialist and The Scroll of Strange Races, which I'm very proud of. So if you love good 5e homebrew, go and check those out, please. They both pay what you want, so chuck in zero dollars and grab your free copy today. All right, that sounds awesome. Yes, Micah. I forgot to tell everybody my name. Oh, same. <laughs> I was gonna ask that actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, sorry for the. My character's name is Audax Fortis. All right. <laughs> and Virgil's character, because I didn't mention it either. His name is Matthias Lacroix. I am glad we are all on the ball today. <laughs> it's been a while, Bob. All right. Uh, I know I've gotten requests from fans and whatnot to know what magic items we have on us and what equipment we purchased as we're not using 100% standard starting stuff. Um, as a normal one-shot, you wouldn't normally have absolutely nothing on you. We're running these more like campaign-long characters, so we use the Exandithers Guide as a guide to how many magic items and of what type we have, and then we rolled on the magic item table and adjusted appropriately in order to figure out what those items are. So we'll go ahead real quick, just walk through what items you guys have and um, what their effects are for any of those at home that don't have the Dungeons Master's Guide right in front of them at the moment. Uh, so Oddax is going to be carrying around the potion of healing that was given to us by our DM. Uh, he used the 400 starting gold to upgrade his chain shirt to uh, a breastplate to give him that little defense boost. And on the magic magic item chart, I acquired Goggles of the Night, which give me dark vision out to 60 feet, which is going to be a huge help to my human character. Nala spent her money on a couple of healer kits, so medicine kits, uh, has the potion that we were given as well, and then I have a quiver of silvered arrows for just in case, and my magic item was a first level spell scroll. And so I chose to take Shield of Faith, which would add plus two to an AC, so that might end up probably being used on our vampire. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with this. Uh, with my money uh, as a sorcerer, we don't get armor proficiencies, so I'm saving, or and our weapons aren't really the greatest. Uh, uh, with my vampire, I get unarmed strikes that are pretty powerful, so I'm saving my money... Uh, for in case we need to, during the adventure, uh, use some, or in case an ally might need a little bump in some money, I can give it to him. Also, I am a noble, so I'm going to keep my money. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing, with the magic item that we got, I got a third level scroll, and with that, I picked Dispel Magic. Uh, it's just a really useful spell to have in your back pocket in case you need it. Alright, well... I got some high calcium milk, also known as Hill Giant Strength Potion. So I'm excited to drink drink that down and boost my armor class up. Oh, sorry, my strength up a bit. Uh, I've also got a potion of healing, as does everyone, and I bought two holy water vials and three Japanese because why not? Careful you don't break those holy water vials when you fall on them. That could be dangerous for you. <laughs> All right, we will go ahead and then get started. A little bit of background information. Uh, as I stated earlier, we are playing Lost Tales of Mithranar, and the first adventure we are running is from Chapter 5, entitled The Weirding Bats. Um, as many of you would know, the Cormanther, the Cormanther Forest is extremely overrun with strange and weird magics ever since the Shade Enclave, who 
once controlled the Netherese Citadel, was pulled from the sky by the old mage Elminster, uh, well known, of course, throughout D&D. And chunks of that citadel fell from the sky and landed throughout the forest, and occasionally artifacts and odd places are discovered by creatures and things that shouldn't find them. And this is one such situation. As all of you belong to the Lord's Alliance, correct? Correct. Yep. As all of you belong to the Lord's Alliance, you were given orders to investigate what is going on. You were instructed to venture to the southern reaches of the Moon Sea and investigate rumors and follow whatever leads they find. You've been told of strange creatures coming out of the forests and raiding farms, which isn't that unusual, but the occurrences of them are very unusual. The the numbers, the strength, everything is something that has not been seen before. So that is why you have come here. Um, real quickly, the general ter- uh, features of this area, the terrain is farmlands, so think gently rolling uh, plains of tall grass, of wheat, of other farming-type things like that. The weather is mild and breezy, which sends the we- the wheat blowing in gentle waves, and the sun is high in the sky, and the area is well lit. It smells of earth, grass, faintly of manure and lingering smoke, and the calls of birds and chickens can be heard, as well as the excited chattering and shouts of halflings. The dirt road winds lazily down the white veil, at the bottom of which rests three modest buildings, homes from the look of them, and a large barn. Beyond the buildings, the veil widens into a vast plain full of gently swaying wheat. A thin tendril of smoke curls up from the chimney from the largest of the three houses. As you crest the hill and begin your descent into the vale, dark spots appear in the midst of the sea of amber grasses and begin to move towards you. As they emerge from the field's border, you realize that they're halflings. So these halflings approach your party and immediately start start shouting um, at you. Not, not mean, but excitedly. And they carry in their hands what appear to be baskets of warm pastries, breads, and that kind of stuff, and a couple of them are carrying wineskins full of what you can imagine to be water, wine, you're not exactly sure until you until you pop the cap on them. But they all excitedly start talking to you, and in a broken mishmash, you hear, Goblin, you're here! Goblins attacked us four days ago, and, and they exploded! And, and they, they never show up during daylight, and but but there were only two of them this time, and and, and poor Nickel, he was he, he was hurt in the explosion, and that damned goblin took him with him, and Gretel and his son, they might soon die! And who, who knows how many may be left in the forest? And just this mishmash of talking over each other. So I'm gonna go ahead and need everybody to give me an insight check real quick. Let me know if it's higher than 11. Higher than 11. Higher than 11. Okay. You two are able to grasp kind of from this this excited chatter that there was a goblin attack four days ago when one of the goblins was killed by Nickel. It exploded, and he was extremely hurt in that and died shortly after. And Grenel, who you can only imagine if someone of, his, of import as well as his son, were both very badly wounded. Um, It was extremely unusual for goblins to appear during the daylight, and especially only two of them, as goblins normally move in packs. Um, So that's kind of what you're able to grasp from this. Uh, Virgil and Brayden, you you couldn't hear any of that. It, It was just everybody talking over one another and so hectic. But they hold out this bread to you, and this uh, water skins full of wine, or uh, these water skins full of water, 
uh, is refreshments because they assume automatically that you've been sent to help with this whole thing. Well, what would you guys like to do? Um, I'd probably like to get some more information about kind of where they came from, so I'll walk up to one of them that's, you know, offering the bread and just, excuse me, miss, I'm going to need you to calm down. Uh, can you tell me where these goblins came from? They they came from the forest out of the south, just, just beyond the fields. Right. Um, sounds like something we might want to investigate. Yeah, uh, we can show you right where they came from. Just, uh, uh, Bring all your friends. I I don't know when they might come back. Well, first, you said something about Gretel and his son being hurt. Can I help with that? Where are they? Uh, are, can can you heal? Give me an insight check. Not very high. That's a seven. You're, she doesn't really trust you. You're not sure why, but she seems extremely reluctant to show you there. <laughs> Cat. <laughs> <laughs> you mean talking cats that heal aren't uh, a normal thing? So. I just kind of twitch my ear at her a little bit. Just, what? But, level. but I can help. Please, I want to help. Please, I. if you're offering us this, let me do something in return. Okay, she's very reluctant, but she will say, okay, I'll, I'll take you to his house. And um, she kind of, is there anything else before we go? Okay. So they would then, um, they would take you to the house, Grinnell's house, and you enter, uh, let's see here, doo-ba-doo-ba-doo, lots of flavor text. Um, when you enter the house, you see two injured halflings. Um, the house is the largest of the three, Grinnell's house. He is kind of the mayor, leader, whatever of the town. Uh, you see that both of them are extremely heavily sedated. Um, now go ahead and give me a medicine check. That's I'm 14. actually proficient in medicine. Can I do one as well? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that's a 14 from Nala. Okay. Uh, that's a 16 from Moonbones. Okay. Uh, not that the vestige of death scares them or anything, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you are able to tell that Grenel, while badly wounded, he will likely survive... Whereas um, his son does not look like he will make it through the night if out, without some sort of outside help, some sort of healing beyond what they can do mundanely. Um, and they both look like they are extremely sedated. Think, think nearly unconscious. They are so put out. You can hear occasional mumblings, and with their eyes closed, you can see their eyes moving. But they are, they are definitely under the effects of some sort of herb or potion. Alright, well, uh, sorry, who was it that was not gonna make it through the night? Gretel's son. Gretel's son, right. I will go up to Gretel's son and put my paws on him and cast Cure Wounds. Okay. Uh, as you do so, you can see the acidic burns all over his body slowly start to form scabs, and and while he still looks absolutely horrific, you do feel that at this point he will likely make it through the night, and with enough time will fully recover. Um, they are, the halflings are extremely um, happy that you did this, and they, they are almost a little bit ashamed that they didn't trust you at first, but they are extremely thankful for what you did. As I said, both of them are still extremely sedated. But you do think, uh, both of you with your earlier medicine checks, do believe that they will likely come out of this stupor, this unconscious state, 
if you give them enough time, give them like a day or so, they will hopefully come out of this and you could maybe talk to them if you wanted to stay the night and wait for them to awaken. Um, okay, uh, is there anything else you would like to do in this cabin before you guys, or in this home before you guys go check out where the goblins enter? Am I a certified therapy animal? Can I just lay on top of them and purr for a little bit and see if that helps? Uh, they would demand to see your papers first. Um, but yes, yes, you are able to kind of spin around two or three times on their feet and, you know, claw the blankets several times in order to make it make it uh, soft enough for you. And then, yes, you can, you can spend your long rest if you would like to there while your compatriots go and investigate everything else. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm, I'm going to lean down towards one of the ones that's uh, looking after them and I will pull out ten gold and sort of present it to them and say in my skeleton voice I don't actually want I'm not going to do a silly voice (laughs) because I'll just say this is ten gold for any medicine that you require over the next week (laughs) I'm not going to lie Brayden, even though you're not doing the voice, everything that your character is saying, I'm hearing in Skeletor's voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. Tetco. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are very worried because the ferryman just paid them their coins to get across the river sticks. <laughs> But um, they <laughs> yes, they take it thankfully, and um, and and do you know after some half-hearted fussing of no, we couldn't, no, they they grudge it, not grudgingly, they they accept it, and thank you very much for for helping them um, with this. As you later find out, or you find out after this, that many of their food stores had been raided. Um, when the goblins came, which isn't unusual, but they took such a large amount that they would definitely be hurting for food. And in that exchange, you also learn that they still have one of the bodies of the goblins um, hidden in a barn. One of the bodies didn't explode. Um, and they they have it still there. And if you guys wanted to look at it, they would happily show you where it is. I'm still new to the area. Does Do these things normally explode when you kill them? No, this is something they've never seen before. And goblins, they would also say that the goblin was huge. Goblins normally don't get, four foot is about as tall as they get. And these were easily that, and bulky and green. And if you want to, they, they don't even want to talk about it. it. It's so grotesque that they, just go look in the barn if you want to know what it looks like. I'll go. Let's I'll go to the barn. Let's so take, take a look, just kind of get an idea as to what we might be encountering. So, Okay, yes, you guys head to the barn. Um, go ahead and... Okay, uh, first real quick. Upon examination, it's readily apparent that this is no ordinary goblin. It is four foot tall, which is on the upper side, but it is disfigured. Its features are green and grotesque and and warped, almost as if it was some sort of magical experiment. Go ahead, and uh, anybody that wants to, give me an arcana check to kind of figure this thing out. 21. <laughs> Nat 1, Micah. I have... I got an 18. Okay. You guys are both able to tell that it bears signs of alchemical agents, like exposure to them. The burns are alchemical, um, and it smells like all these different chemicals and... 
and herbs and all sorts of really funky things. I mean, goblins smell horrid at the best of times, but this has got a, a strange smell to it. But you don't detect any other magical auras or dealings around it. This is some sort of alchemical experiment, almost. Hmm. Does it look blighted? A little bit. It looks like it may have started to explode, like expanded slightly, but it's been dead for four days, so it's kind of hard to tell what would be natural decomposition and what is the um, effects of this as far as alchemical. I go up and poke them a little bit with the end of my staff to see if that makes them explode at all. No, that does not. (laughs) Yeah, poke poke the dead thing with the stick. Um, No, that that does not cause any reaction. (laughs) And then it reaches out. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Anything else you guys would like to figure out with this goblin, or do you want to check out where they came from? I can't think of anything else that I would glean from staring at a desiccated, bloated corpse, so I'm going to go find as many of them I can to chop down. Yeah, I go back uh, to the halflings and uh, ask about uh, how far were uh, your uh, friends standing away from the goblins when they blew up? Well, Nickel, he, he was right there in the way. He was the one that beat the goblin down, but but Grenell and his son, they, they were a little ways back. I mean, they, they weren't attacking them, but they, they were pretty close. I, I don't know exactly how far. It all happened so fast. Nickel, and Nickel, you guys learn later, it was a human, not a halfling, so he was okay. bigger, burlier, a guard sent to protect this farm from okay. goblin raids. And the explosion was enough to kill him outright. But the others were a few, a little way, were a ways away, but yeah. still got in. Okay. Yeah, they weren't in melee attack range of them. They okay. were close by, though. Okay. I will ask. Um, one of the halflings. Now, was the explosion poison or combustion? <laughs> oh, that's great. Virgil is trying so hard not to bust out laughing right now. Um, the, the explosion, it was when when he chopped him, when he went with the last attack, the body just glowed bright green and then just exploded out. There, there was nothing left of the goblin. It was just this that burned him alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, anything else you guys would like to do? I poked him with a stick. I'm good to go. Okay. The cat has satisfied her curiosity. Indeed. It's going to okay. be one of those days, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's um, just try not to get too catty. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they lead you to where the forest, where kind of the forest is, and is anybody proficient in survival? Mm, Proficient? No. Okay, go ahead and roll me a survival check then. Thirteen. Okay. Everyone? Uh, Anybody that wants to. Uh, This is a group check, so I need at least two of them above an eleven. Nope. Eighteen. Okay. Um... You two are able to, uh, Micah and Brayden, you two are able to navigate this small trail that um, you guys find extremely obvious. Uh, The rest of you guys have no idea. But um, you two are able to very easily navigate 
this forest. And I'm going to go ahead and roll a d4 to figure out where you guys are going. There are four different encounters, and depending on time, we may run more than one. Or not encounters, but areas that you will visit. All right. The first one that you guys visit. A creek near the path you are following passes under a finely carved stone bridge. No doubt millennia old. The scene would be serene if it were not for the complete lack of any sounds that you would expect near a forest. No birds singing, no squirrels running among the trees, nothing. So you're on this forested path, there's a large stone bridge which continues down this path on the other side. What would you guys like to do? I'm going to say that right now you're about 20 feet away from the edge of that bridge. Honestly, I have no reason to not just, if that's where the path leads, just try to cross the bridge. All right. And everybody's passive perception, Virgil barely, but everybody's passive perception is enough to, right as you guys cross that bridge, you see two large goblins, a lot like the ones that you saw at the, the farm, as well as two even larger golems, burst out of the trees on either side of you. Everybody, roll me initiative. Golems or? Go- uh, goblins. Goblins. Goblins, okay. excuse me. Go ahead, everybody, roll me initiative. Oh, one. <laughs> okay. Who got higher than... <laughs> yes. 22. 22. All right. Nala. Anybody 20 to 15? 16. Matthias. 14 to 10. <laughs> 9 to 5. 5. <laughs> 5 to 0. I got a 5. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So we will go ahead and start. How this is situated, Theater of the Mind, you guys have just crossed this stony bridge. There's a river behind you, or a small creek behind you. There are goblins bursting out of the bushes on either side, and it's very thick brush. So any creature within it has half cover. This uh, pathway is about 15 foot wide, roughly, and uh, the goblins, there are two smaller ones uh, in front, 10 feet behind them. There are the two larger ones on either side of this path. So I will go ahead and let you guys kind of arrange yourselves however your marching order would be. And we will start with Nala. All right, well, I'm gonna take out my short bow and try shooting at the one that's nearest to where we're at. Okay. That is an 11. 11 will hit exactly, yes. Ooh, awesome, okay. That is eight points of damage. All right. You shoot your bow and it hits the green grotesque goblin right in one of the shoulders, but he is able to keep coming at you guys, unperturbed by it. On then to Matthias. Okay. I'm going to look at one of the really big, uh, one of the really big ones, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to cast Crown of Madness. Okay. And what kind of a saving throw is that? Wisdom. Oh, uh, they do not have a great wisdom. That's a two. Okay. Uh, uh, the target has a twisted crown of jagged iron around its head, and madness glows in its eyes. It must use action before moving on each of its turn to make a melee attack against a creature other than itself that I choose. Uh, then it acts, norm- it acts normally on its turn if I choose no one. I have to use my action to maintain control of it. Uh, also, it makes a saving throw at the end of each of its turns. Oh, there isn't anybody directly in front of him. It's He's ten foot in front. Oh, okay, then. Uh, I apologize. I should have made that more clear. Do you want to retcon that? No, I'm just staying with the way it is. The target can act or normally on its turn if I choose no creature or if none are within its reach. 
Okay, so he's going to continue ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then the Berserker is going to go ahead and charge your party. So uh, we'll go ahead and start with the two thugs up front, and then I'll hit the Berserker. Um, so the two thugs, uh, who would be in the front? Probably Micah and Raven? Yep. All right. Yeah. Um, each thug, there are two thugs, both one comes to each of you, and they make two melee attacks each. Uh, the first one does not have advantage, um, but the second one will, uh, because of pack tactics. So, Micah, you are the first one to take hits. Does a 15 hit you? Just hits. Just hits. All right, so then one hits, the other one rolled a three. You will take three points of bludgeoning damage, and then the other thug is going to come up to you, uh, Moonbones, and he swipes at you twice with his mace. He does have advantage, as I said, because of pack tactics. So that is a 21 for the first hit, and an 11 for the second hit. So the first one will? Yep. All right. And that is seven points of bludgeoning damage to you. Which is reduced by three because of my heavy armor master feat. Yes, very good. That will definitely help in the long run, because these guys don't hit heavy, but they hit often. Then on to the Berserkers. The two Berserkers charged you guys as well. Um, they do not have pack tactics, but they are going to choose to strike recklessly, which will give you guys advantage on them too. So they strike at you um, each once with a great axe. Micah... Uh, I'm assuming that will hit with a 22. Just a little bit. <laughs> and Brayden, um, that will not hit with a 16. So, Yay. Micah, you take... Oh, uh, you take nine points of slashing damage from that one. All right, we then move on to Audax. Um... <clears throat> So, the, the, the one who's just in front of me may be a very unhappy camper. So, I'm going to take a swing at the, the Berserker that just laid into me. Um, and you said we have advantage on them? Uh, yes, the Berserkers right. use Reckless Attack. Alright, so we are going to... Um, will a 14 hit the Berserker? A 14 will, yes. Alright, so that'll be 2d6 from my Greatsword. Alright. And we're going to use our uh, Savage Attacker feat to reroll that. And we're going to keep that as uh, 12 points of damage, plus I'm going to expend a spell slot to use my Fury Enhanced Strike ability to add uh, 2d8 of damage. Wow. For uh, another. So that's 12 plus 14 is 26. And. My innate force archetype for my Fury Crafter. At third level with the raw force ability, I add my wisdom modifier to damage, so that's going to add another five on top of that. Goodness gracious. That took him down to below bloodied in a single strike. That is amazing. Um, real quick, go over what ability was that? So that was, of course, a, a basic attack. Then, of course, with the Savage Attacker feet, let me reroll my damage dice. Um... With the, I could have also re-rolled those again with the Great Weapon Fighter if I had need to, but I didn't. Um, then the damage buff the initially came from the Fury Enhanced Strike ability that Fury Crafters get. 
Starting at second level, when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one Fury Crafter spell slot to deal additional damage to the target in addition to the weapon's damage. The extra damage is 2d8 for a first level spell slot plus 1d8 for each spell level higher than the first to a maximum of 5. Um, so by spending a first level spell slot, I, I add 2d8 of damage, and then uh, with the innate force ability or archetype, the raw force ability says at third level, you've pulled even more raw, raw power from your fury. When you hit a creature with your fury enhanced strike, you do additional damage equal to your wisdom modifier. That is awesome. And would you be doing that on the target that Virgil, um, Crown of Madness, or on the other one? Uh, whichever one hit me, I don't know which one was Crown of Madness. Okay, you guys would all be kind of, um, I'm, I'm envisioning you guys would be kind of in a cube um, around kind of that, and they would be, uh, the two thugs would be directly in front of you, and uh, the two um, uh, berserkers would be kind of at 90 degrees. So I'll say it was the one that wasn't Crown of Madness. All right. All right, we then move on to Moonbows. Bones, excuse me, Moonbows. So which one was the fellow that bought axe just reduced to under half? Uh, that would be the one, um, it would be 10 feet away from you. So it would be on okay. the other side of him. All right, I'm going to move to the closest uh, enemy in front of me whilst casting Wrathful Smite on my shield as a bonus action. <laughs> nice. And I'm going to make a shield bash against him. All right, go ahead. Uh, it's a 10 plus 5, 15. Yes, that will hit. Okay, so I do 1d10 damage for my shield, <laughs> and an additional 1d6 psychic damage from the smite. So 6 plus 3 is a 9 bludgeoning. Uh, 1 point of psychic damage, and I need him to make a wisdom saving throw. The DC is 13. And that was a 6. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, if the target is a creature, it must make a wisdom saving throw. It would be frightened of you until the spell ends, which is concentration one minute. Uh, as an action, the creature can make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. Alright. Negate your face. Awesome, and that was one of the berserkers, correct? Uh, yes. Yes, okay. He takes off running. Uh, that would allow uh, you, Brayden, and let's see, no, uh, none of you guys have reach, correct? Alright, so Brayden, you get an opportunity attack against him as he turns to flee. I'm actually going to hold my reaction and use the rest of my movement to stand next to Odax and ready to defend him. Awesome. All right. We then move back to Nala, top of the initiative. All right. Well, Odax, how are you doing? So I know you got some uh, hits, so how are you looking? I'll get take a couple more hits without needing any help. All right. Well, then I'll just take a... Uh, Keep with my short bow and attack again with the, uh, probably one of the thugs. Okay. The little guys. Alright, that is a 19. Yes, that will hit. And that is, uh, actually, I rolled a 1, and so I'm gonna use my feline luck to re-roll that, and I can do that once per short rest. So instead of the 1, I rolled a 6 this time. Glad I did that. <laughs> I was very lucky. Yes. Hence feline luck. <laughs> that is eight points of damage. Very nice. Yes, that brings that thug that you attacked earlier down quite a ways. All right. You struck basically that same arrow that you shot him the first time in that shoulder again, and that wound, he is now below bloodied and very unhappy about that situation. Matthias. 
I look at the Berserker and I point at the thug next to him and say, kill. And All so right. he has to use his action to attack the thug. Uh, and he actually was the one that got frightened and ran back. <laughs> Are you free? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You'll come back eventually, okay, baby. So, that means he has, so since no one's in his reach, he can do his turn normally. Yep. Uh, and I guess... Uh, Cantrip, you want to throw or something? No, because I have to use my action to keep the spell up, otherwise it, I waste it, so I'm just going to keep the spell up and... Okay. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, regardless, as long as you guys get these guys dead, that's what matters. We then move on to the goblins. The berserker is going to use his action to try and get rid of that effect. Uh, that is a 15. Does that break it? Oh, sorry. Is this me? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, that does break it. Okay, he is no longer... Um, afraid, and he runs back towards the group, but since it took his action, he can just get back within melee range. So he's standing there, ready to go. Um, and then we move uh, Then we move on to the two thugs. Uh, the two thugs are going to attack the respective targets again, and they have advantage once again. So, Micah, uh, that's one hit. One hit. I'm gonna, uh, I'll use my protection fighting style to try and block with my shield and give him disadvantage on the next one. Okay, yes. Uh, that is a seven, so that will miss then. So only one of those will hit. And you take four points of damage from that. And then, uh, Brayden, uh, that is a crit and, uh, 17. So the crit will hit, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, that one will hit, but the 17 will not. <laughs> uh, you take, oh, and I didn't roll great there, so you will only take ten points of damage from that. Uh, reduced by three. Yeah, okay. Uh, Robert, just for clarification, the uh, creature can make a wisdom saving throw at the end of each of its turns against oh. a crowd of badness. Okay, and I'll roll that after this one. Uh, the first Berserker is going to go ahead and roll against Micah. Neither of those will hit. Highest was a 12. Against Brayden, neither of those will hit. Very close, though, with a 17. <laughs> so we then move on to Onax. Oh, uh, the Goblin, Crown of Madness. Uh, that was a four, so he is still underneath the effects of that. Okay. On to Onax. Oh, see, you're still standing. Let's see if you can take a couple more of these. So, swinging again at the Berserker that uh, tried to off me earlier. Um, no, a, a nine probably will not hit. No, the Goblin was able to duck right below the swing of your greatsword. Alright, on to Matthias. Uh, no, it would be... Oh, yeah, excuse me, it would be Brayden's turn. Moonbones. Okay, uh, I'm gonna look at my allies and say, Meow, have a blessing! And I cast <laughs> Bless on them, all three of them. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You guys can add a D4 to your attack rolls and saving throws as long as I concentrate on this for one minute. All right. Nala, it is uh, your... That oh. Yes, yeah, sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Uh, and am I still within five feet of Onyx? Yes, you would be. I didn't move. Okay, okay, cool. I'll say that. Thank you. All right, Nala. Oh, I will take this chance to just move up a little bit, so that way I'm within at least 20 feet of Onyx at this point, since he's been... Yeah, you guys would all be within about five feet of each other, all oh, in a Oh, still are? Oh, yes. okay, I wasn't sure if we were still farther back. Okay, scratch that. 
I am going to just attack once again since Omex is still doing fine. Yep, I, I still have more than half of my hit points left. Alright. Yeah. For now. For now. Alright, that is an unnatural 20. Yes. Attacking the thumb? Yes. Okay. Same one. And that is four points of damage. Alright. He definitely did not like that one. And as I said last round, he is below bloodied. On then to Matthias. Finally, I look at the berserk and I'm like, no, seriously, kill. And I'm going to have it attack the thug next to him. All right, he attacks the thug next to him. And let's see here, get my pages correct. All right, he rolls his great axe and it was reckless again. So that is a hit and he deals max damage. Wait, my turn. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh... I'm gonna have him attack, so on his turn. On his turn, okay, never okay. mind. Uh, I'm going to quicken spell. Alright, so for those sorcery yeah, points. So for my action, I'm gonna maintain the spell, and then I'm going to bonus action, quicken spell, and cast Chaos Bolt from uh, Xanther's Guide. So I'm gonna make an attack roll at the uh, the Berserker that's attacking. Uh, What's your character's name again? Oddax. Oddax. I'm gonna have him shoot a chaos bolt at Oddax. Uh, Wait, not me? (laughs) Yes. No. uh, Okay. At the berserker attacking Oddax. All right. Uh, Get the spell up. It's from Xanathar's guide, so I'm not. I don't have it memorized. Oh, here we go. So I'm gonna make an attack roll. (gasps) Do one d four. That is a nat twenty. Yay! All right. So, uh, I'm gonna. It's gonna hit, so it takes 2d8 plus uh, a d6 wow. damage. Um, so, let's see, I can pick one of the d8s to pick the damage type, and I'm gonna go with. Uh, I rolled a 2 and a 7, so I'm gonna pick the 7, which is psychic damage. So it does 9, 15, uh, 9, 15. 17, 21, 26 points of psychic damage to uh, that berserker. That takes him almost to single digits in health. So that that bolt just this creature's bleeding from the ears at this point. He is almost gone. Anything else or is that your whole turn? Uh, that would be my whole turn because I didn't roll the same number on both the eights. If you roll the same number on both d8s, it bounces to another target, and you make another attack roll. <laughs> and theoretically, you can keep doing that until you've hit every target. We then move on to the Berserkers. The first Berserker is going to attack the little goblin thug. So he swings recklessly, and that will hit and deals. Oh, nice. Uh, that deals 12 points of damage, bringing him almost to his knees. Very close. Nice. We then move on to the Berserker that isn't controlled. He is the one that uh, is attacking Micah. I will get disadvantage on that. Awesome, yes, that would be a good thing, because otherwise that would have hit. So that was a whole... Oh, wait, that might still hit. Uh, that was a... Tw- well, no, not quite. 12, so that does not hit you. The two yeah. thugs um, respect their, uh, respectively attack their targets again. Uh, so, Micah, that is a 20 to hit, not nap. Uh, that is five points of bludgeoning damage. 
And Brayden, that is a 14 to hit. That will not hit. All right, and that was both attacks, so neither of those would hit you. And only one of them hit Micah. Saving uh, throw. Saving throw against Crown of Madness. That's an 11. Okay, we move on to Onyx. All right, so uh, I'm going to look at the... Uh bloody brute in front of me, and since he attacked right, they, they both, did both of the berserkers attack right closely? Yes, they did. Alright. Um, that, that's a, uh, 19 to hit. Yes. And we're just gonna do standard damage and save that extra in case I need it later. Um, going to Savage Attacker reroll, and then we're going to Great Weapon Fighter for that two. Uh, so eight plus... That's 11 points of damage to the Berserker in front of me. All right, that Berserker is now in two parts as it falls to the ground in front of you. I need from everybody a dexterity saving throw. You guys can add 1d4 as well. Yes. 19. Anybody that rolled less than a 10, let me know. That's me. Oh, oh, oh. All right, let's see here. As this body explodes in a necrotic slime, Nala, you take three points of necrotic damage. The rest of you manage to avert, uh, get out of the way of that burst. It's in my fur. <laughs> well, that was unpleasant. Yes, that would be. Oh, actually, no, each creature within five feet. So, Nala, you would have been okay because you were in the back row. So it just would have been uh, Micah and Brayden that needed to, so you guys are fine. Uh, we then, let's see, move on to uh, Moonbones. All right, so my shield's probably covered in disgusting black ichor. Oh, it's so horrid. Shake the ichor off my, <laughs> shake the ichor off my shield, and I'm going to rush towards the other, or whoever else is closest to us that isn't dead. Yes, either a berserker or a thug, both would be within five feet of you. All right, I'm going to attack the Berserker. Okay. I'm going to, instead of attacking him, I will shove him. So it's a contested uh, athletics check on my part for acrobats or athletics on your part. All right. Uh, he rolled a 16. No, I rolled a 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so enraged by being controlled by that crowd of madness. He, uh, even more insane than normal, he is able to resist that shove. <laughs> Anything you would like to do as a bonus action? Ah, uh, that's all, thank you. Alright, we then move on to Nala. Alright. Well, I'm just gonna use my short bow again on the thug. Okay, that is Plus over a... Yeah, that's over a 20, so... Yes, that will hit. Okay. That is four points of damage. Okay. That goblin is down to single digits and nearly dead. That arrow finally finding purchase within his chest. Matthias. Uh, I'm just going to use my action to maintain control on Crown of Madness. Okay, and going to point him to the same guy he attacked last time? Yeah, I'll hold, yeah, basically just anyone besides one of those two. <laughs> okay. All right, and then we move on to them. The Berserker once again strikes at his uh, ally next to him, and that is a crit. So... <clears throat> His great axe splits the goblin in half, and that goblin falls. Now, once again, all creatures, I need dexterity saving throws from everybody. Uh, from, I guess, uh, Micah and Brayden. 
Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, 17. Okay, yes, you make it. 13. You make it as well. However, one of his goblin allies did not. So one of his goblin allies... And the Berserker? And uh, Yes, the Berserker is the one that failed. Uh, takes three points of necrotic damage. Okay, we move on then to... Because now that the other thug is dead... Um, oh, we still have the one thug left. Who is lost advantage because he no longer has pack tactics. And only rolls a nine against Micah. So that will not hit. Excellent. We move on then to... Uh, let's see, Onyx. So does attacking someone controlled by Crown of Badness give them any benefits to saves? Nope. Alright, then I'm going to take a... Oh, he has the next save, Robert. Oh, he yes, thank you. He broke free, that was a 17. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to let it happen. Alright, and did he use a reckless attack earlier? Yes, he did. Alright, uh, so we're going to take another swing at the rather large berserker that is being mind-controlled. Uh, that will be a... 16 to hit. Yes, that will hit. Um, I'll keep that for 10, 11, 12, 13 points of damage. Very nice. Yes, that was significant. He is definitely hurting after that swing. We move on to Moonbones. Alright, so seeing that my shield is completely disgusting and covered in ichor, I'm yeah. going to drop, drop it and dispel it, which is a free action on my turn. As a bonus action, I'm going to sculpt, sculpt a fresh new clean shield. <laughs> that is I'm awesome. I'm going to look angrily at one of the thugs, and I'm going to rush forward and shield bash it. Okay, yes. And if That's you hit this... To hit. Yes, that will hit exactly, and I almost guarantee you will kill him with this one. Now go ahead and roll the damage, but I'm pretty sure he's gone. 13, oh, sorry, 11 points of damage. Yes, that is enough. You shove your shield into his face. It, it caves in, driving the rest of those arrows deep within his body, and he falls to the ground. Everybody, once again, uh, no, not everybody, Brayden and uh, Micah and the Berserker need dexterity saving throws. Ten or higher. Good. Oh, Micah. I rolled a six. Okay, then if you roll less than a 10, you take four points of necrotic damage. The Berserker took it as well. I will make a concentration check as well to maintain less. Yes. Uh, one. Oh. Less. <laughs> all right. So we all lose the d4? Yes, you guys lose bless then. But there is only one Berserker left who is extremely pissed off at this point. Uh, let's see, we move to Nala. Alright. Well, try hitting him with the bow again. Alright, that is an unnatural 20. Yes, that hits. And that's three points of damage. Okay. Not a great hit, but you are able to lodge yet another arrow into this creature. We move then to Matthias. Okay, I'm gonna extend my hand out and cast Chill Touch. Ooh. That is a... Uh, that's an 18 to hit? Yes, that does hit. Okay. That is six points of necrotic damage. And if they are undead, they have disadvantage on all attack rolls until their next turn. He's not undead yet, but he is very close to being dead for the first time. Okay. As your spectral claw comes out and wraps around his throat, drawing some of the life away from him. And they cannot does. regain hit points. Oh, okay. All right. We move on to the goblin then, the last berserker who recklessly swings 
at Braden, and that will hit with a 22. No. Ouch, and that was max damage. That is a, let's see, uh, what's the modifier on that? Uh, that is a 15 points of slashing damage. Oh, damn. Uh, reduced by three to the armor. I love great axes. All right. I'm on nine HP. Oh. Onax, it is your turn. Um, seeing my comrade in arms take such a weighty hit, we're going to, we're going to lay into him. And that was reckless, so you do have advantage. Um, that will be a 16 to hit. Yes. And we are going to Fury Enhance Strike that. Uh, we'll keep that. That's okay. 9, 17, 22, 23, 24, 25, or sorry, 20, 27, sorry. Goodness gracious. Plus... Five more is 33, 32 damage to him. That is exactly what you needed to end here. Tell me how you finish this. So just fully enraged, just, I'll teach you to mess with my friends, and just full swing, blade moving faster than your eye can see. Just, I just draw out all the power of all the metal furies in the area, just... And in that very classical anime scene, the blade cleanly slices him, and it takes a second, but then he just separates into two parts and falls to the ground at your feet. One last deck save. (laughs) (laughs) Nineteen! (laughs) Twelve. Ah, both of you make it as this noxious green slime explodes from the body of this berserker, and everything is completely silent. What would you have? Yeah. (laughs) Somehow their pouches managed to survive, and you find on their persons 25 gold pieces and various coins, as well as an unusual stone made of translucent green crystal, the same color as the slime that exploded off of them. (laughs) All right. Take a moment and wipe the slime out of my eyes. Hi, and press digitation, everyone, to clean them up. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Fancy a, vampire. Hey, a noble has to look noble. <laughs> and then uh, I think I want to take a drink of my potion of healing because I've got 11 hit points left. Yes, if anybody would like to take a short rest or whatever, you're welcome to here. I definitely will. <laughs> short rest is good. Eh, I'm okay. None of my stuff recovers on short rest. Well, sad day. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Anybody that needs to roll for those hit points, go ahead. Remember, you had your constitution modifier. Uh, Oh, wow. uh, Moonbones, if you want my potion, you can have it. I didn't get hurt at all since you were down, by the way. I spent all my my hit dice, and I healed back (laughs) eight eight points of... So I'm back to full. Oh, wow. Awesome. Do you you need my potion just in case? Um, well... We'll work it out when it comes to it. That, that, be fine. Right. that potion healed me four points of damage. Ouch, yeah. two minimums. Ouch. One, two, four, five. All right, while you guys are calculating this, I'll be right back. <laughs> I have one more trick up my sleeve that might save us at some point. <laughs> I would have died if it wasn't for a heavy armor, answer. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Right. That, was, that, was, that, was, that was rough. Yeah. But I think Onyx is liking the group that he's fighting with. Mm. 
Yeah, I was worried because I wasn't sure whether Fury Crafter was like a ranged character or like a melee character. And a lot of my abilities that I'm trying to sort of gear this character towards work with another melee character right next to me. If I had, like, metal crafters are strictly melee, but you can very, very easily do a ranged Fury Crafter. But yeah, I'm, I went strictly melee damage buffs because I want to kill things. <laughs> Excellent. And the radiance damage still damages anyone, right? Yes. Okay, just wanted yes. to make sure. It's just usually, usually most undead or... Yeah, it hurts them a lot. Yeah, Yeah. so definitely target uh, Moonbones there with all radiant everything. Oh, yeah, you definitely. <laughs> okay, so uh, once again, I will roll to see where you guys are going. I need a DC 11 survival check. I need two of you to pass. That is a 19. Okay. That's a oh, sorry. 11. 22 if you had my bonus. A natural 20. Okay, yes. You guys are easily able to continue following that pathway. And you guys are walking through the forest for a while, and the ruins before you must have once been a graceful round tower of exquisitely cut stone. But like all things, the ravages of time and the forces of nature have brought it down and reduced it to little more than rubble. Thick, thorny vines grow into large clumps around the area, creating a sort of hedge wall around the inside of this ring of stone. Perfect for an adventurer to seek shelter for the night. In fact, the remains of a long-dead campfire sit in the exact center of this clearing, surrounded by chair-sized chunks of stone. What would you guys like to do? How old does this campfire look? Uh, it looks very old. Not enough that, like, water has rushed, has uh, gotten rid of its remnants completely. But uh, long dead, as in probably a week or so, maybe more. Depends on when the last rain was. With your guys' perception, you're able to hear the babbling of a brook nearby. Um, You're able to hear wildlife and whatnot uh, around the area. You're getting kind of a very... Yeah, it's a very idyllic campsite um, kind of a feel. Very, very nice place as far as you... Sorry, Moonbones is uh, still getting used to being a skeleton, I'd assume, so he's going to walk up to the brook, put his hands down, cupping them, and put his hands through the water and try and drink some water. Just sort of like <laughs> the water running out of his skeleton hand. Yeah, it's like trying to eat soup with a fork. It just isn't quite working for you. <laughs> that hurts my soul. <laughs> but even as he does that, he turns back to the group and says, Rah, refreshing! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what would you guys like to do? Um, look around for any signs of recent... anyone having been here more recently even at the campsite? You don't really see anything. I mean, give me a, a perception check if you want. Uh, that's a 20? You think you see something metallic um, within the campfire, um, but you also see something looking almost... Skeletal, a lot like your bony friend's hand over there. That there appears to be uh, something with uh, on it, like a ring or something on this skeletal hand by the campfire. Uh, I'll go. I'll go take a closer look at these objects that we're seeing in the campfire. All right. The second you cross that ring of stone, a banshee comes up out of the ground and attacks, as well as one of the bushes around you animates and charges. I need initiative rolls from everybody. Sorry, guys! <laughs> you just leave me where I am. Okay. Ouch, Micah. That, that's that's not good. 
Okay, uh, more than 20. Oh, good, good. 20 to 15. 18. Okay. 14 to 10. Oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> 9 to 5. 5. 6. <laughs> All right, and 4 to 0. What were you, uh, Moonbow? 12. 12. 12. Sorry. 12. Um, All right, so the order will be... Oh, and I need to roll for the enemies. Oh, good thing. The enemies didn't do too great this time, but still did better than Onyx. Uh, Nala, what's your um, dexterity? Two. Two? All right, it's a tie. I'll go ahead and let you go first. All right, so the turn order will go uh, Matthias, um, let's see, Matthias, Moonbones, Nala, the enemies, and Audax. So go ahead, uh, Matthias, what would you like to do? Standing in front of you is a wailing banshee, and there are, uh, there is a single viney animated bush that is attacking you as well. Uh, let's see, it would be Oddax that would be within the stone circle. Um, I believe Moonbones was over by the uh, crick, which I'm going to say is 15, 20 feet away from this ring. Uh, and the enemies are in the center of that. So, Moonbones, you are 35 feet away from the enemies. Um, Oddax, you are about 15 feet away. Uh, I'm not sure where the other two would be. Uh, I would be outside of the circle. So 15 to 20 feet, depending yeah. on how close you are. Uh, I'm going to Chaos Bolt the Shrub. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. That's an at one. Unless it begins. <laughs> okay, then absolutely nothing happens on that. You are so surprised by this Banshee's Whale that you just go, and the shot goes wide and splashes into the creek on the other side. We then move on to um, Moonbone. Alright, I'm going to use my action to dash, and I'm going to try and get right next to whoever's the closest to the Banshee. That would be me again? Yes, uh, I'd say you're easily able to get to him. You would only be about 20 feet away from him. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll just get to him then. So I don't need to use my action to dash. Uh, no, you'd be able to get to him easily. Okay, well, I will hold my action then to dash, to move... Does that work? To move along with him when he walks? Uh, yeah, I can go ahead and uh, you can hold your action. Uh, it wouldn't be this turn, but uh, next turn you can take yourself out of initiative order uh, in order to go with him. Okay. All right, Nala, it is your turn. All right. Well, I'm probably just going to shoot at the Banshee, see how that works. Okay, go ahead. That is an unnatural 20. Yes, that will definitely hit. That's seven points of damage. All right. And you have silver arrows? Yes, I do. Does that... Uh, are you using them all the time or uh, just every once in a while? Okay. Off the record, I honestly... I know silver are for, like, undead and stuff is... Correct. So a banshee's undead then? Yes, a banshee is undead. Um, if you're using uh, the silver arrows next time, just declare it. I'll let you do it this time. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I just honestly don't really know what creatures classify as undead or not in all of them, so I should... Yep. I'll go ahead and let yeah. you do that since you kind of knew already. So, yes, and they do... She does take the full effect of that um, arrow striking her. Okay. All right. Uh, we then move on to her. I need everybody within 60 feet of this banshee to make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw. <laughs> and actually, uh, no, Brayton, you would not have to. You are not, or you are undead, so it doesn't affect you. 
Poor. Yeah, six. Oh, oh, poor. That's a plus five to wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, even with that, that is still not enough. You are frightened for one minute. Uh, you must, you can repeat your saving throw at the end of your turns, um, and um, you have a, a disadvantage as long as the Banshee is within your line of sight. Um, okay, so then uh, you are frightened, uh, which means, let's see, you cannot willingly move closer to the source of your fear, and you have disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while within the line of sight of this creature. Uh, so that was just what happens um, with her. She is going to go ahead and then wail. I need all of you to make a DC 13 con save. If you roll less than that, let me know. Oh, thank God. If it hadn't been on disadvantage, I would have made it. Less on me. Okay. Those that roll less than a 13 fall to zero health points. Those who succeeded on it take... Nine points of psychic damage. Alright, it is time for the Awakened Shrub. He is going to advance on Matthias and attack. That is a 16 to hit. That'll definitely hit. And you take eight points of bludgeoning damage and uh, you are grappled. Okay. Alright. Uh, you can try to escape that on your turn. Uh, DC 12. We then move on to, let's see, Audax. You are unconscious, so death saving throw. With disadvantage. With disadvantage. Uh, wait, no, uh, Frightened would end when you fall unconscious, I think. Okay. So just regular death saving. Right, then I will roll one. That's one success. All right, one success. Matthias. All righty. Well, I'm grappled. Escape is DC 12. What I'm going to do is I'm going to... I'm going to cast Chilled Touch, and I'm going to uh, use my uh, sorcery points to twin spell it. So attack both uh, the Banshee and the Shrub. Okay. So for Banshee, that is a... That is a 15 to hit the Banshee. Yes, that will hit. Okay, and the Shrub... That is a 21 to hit the shrub? Yes, that most definitely hits the shrub. Okay, the shrub takes four points of uh, necrotic damage. Alright. And then the banshee takes five points of uh, necrotic damage. Alright, you see as your that spectral hand grasps at the vines wrapped around you, it, some of them begin to wither and die, but when you go to attack the banshee with it, it seems to just pass through her without an effect. Okay, and then there's one more effect with chill that goes with undead creatures. I uh, just need to make sure. Uh, where's that page? Page. Here it is. Um, it can't regain hit points in the start of its next turn. If you hit an undead target, it has disadvantage in all attack rolls against you until the end of my turn. Okay. Or my next turn. All right. I will remember that. Well, no, I won't. You'll have to remind me. Okay, we then move on to Moonbones. All right, um, I'm going to look back at Nala. Uh, does she appear to be looking at Odax as he's lying on the ground dying? I'm lying on the ground dying as well. Oh, you two are... Okay. <laughs> I will... How far away is Nala from me? 
Um, I'm gonna say you were outside the circle, correct? Yeah. Okay, kind of near Matthias. Yeah, well, I would have been closer to Audax, in all honesty. Okay, I'll say about 10, 15 feet away. Okay. I move 15 feet to her, and I'm going to use my last spell slot to cast Cure Wounds. All right. Thank you. (laughs) That was a nice nap. (laughs) Ah, you take six points of healing damage, and I'm going to rush back over over the body of Audax and sort of, I'm going to take... I'll hold my action. Oh, wait, no, sorry, that was my action. I'll just stand yes. over top of his body and ready defensive need be. That is awesome, and thank you for saying healing damage. That is one of my favorite things to ever have happen. <laughs> I am so happy. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else then, or just kind of waiting to see what happens from there? Because I know you used your action and movement. Or would you like to move back yeah. over to Audax? Yeah, I'll move back over to Audax. All right. I was standing over him defensively. Okay. Nala, it is your turn. You are back up. All right. I will cast Cure Wounds on Audax. Okay. Uh, what is your movement speed? Uh, 25 feet, and I was pretty close to him. Okay. Uh, prone? Uh, let's see. Half speed. Yes, oh, you get half speed. Um, a prone creed? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Half movement to get up. Okay. So that would cover down to what? 10 feet of movement speed then? Yes, 10 feet. Is that close enough? Because... You said 10 to 15 with him, is that... Uh, I'll give it to you. I I wasn't specific, so yes, I will give it to you. Okay. That is five points for healing. All right. And you are back up. And just for the viewers at home, so you know, I am running this encounter as a strong party, as a lot of times our homebrew is a little bit stronger than um, the normal group. So normally this would not have been uh, with a Banshee. Normally there would have been... um, Let's see here. Uh, normally there would have been just six of these viney creatures, but uh, the next step up is a banshee with one of these uh, vine creatures. Uh, so we will go ahead then and move on to uh, Nala. Was there anything else you wanted to do with your turn? Uh, bonus action? Uh, sorry, I'm checking through everything. I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm going to wait, so no, nothing else. Okay, we then move on to uh, the enemies. The Banshee is going to advance, and uh, since you, uh, Moonbones, are in front of Onyx, she will strike at you. Disadvantage. Oh, okay, yes, disadvantage. Touch. All Yay. right. Yay, thank you. Yes. Yeah. And that probably saved you. Uh, that is only a 16 to hit. So you do not take any of that damage as she reaches out a spectral hand at you. The vine is going to just continue to constrict on you, uh, Matthias. Uh, so, advantage to hit. <laughs> That's a crit. Okay. <laughs> I have an AC of 10, it's not a big it's Yeah, not I was going to say. Me. But still, that crit is going to hurt. Uh, 6, that's 8 plus 2, so that is 10 points of uh, bludgeoning damage to you. Yeah, this isn't good. Are you so scared of the bush now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not on my turn. Alright, Onyx, it is your turn. Um, I can really only do one thing. Um, how far away is Yon Banshee? Uh, she would be about 15 feet in front of you. <laughs> well, considering that, 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 that Onyx himself would know very little about Banshees, um, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to Go full tilt at her and uh, take a swing. Okay. 
Will a 22 hit? Yes, a 22 will definitely hit. Is your weapon uh, magical? No, it is not. Okay. Um, that's 12 points of damage slashing. All right. And it's just going to go... Okay, yes. As you slice down across the Banshee, she almost parts around the blade a little bit uh, as it swings down uh, through her. We then move on to Matthias. Okay. Uh, I'm going to burn my last sorcery point and twin spell Chaos Bolt. All right. So toward the first one would be to uh, the Shrub. And that is a 12 to hit. Yes. All right. So that's 2d8 and d6. So that's 6 and or 7 and 2. So that's... Uh, gotta pull up the spell. Psychic and something else. I don't yeah, Psychic and I don't remember what the other one was. Uh, <clears throat> gotta pull it up real quick. Uh, cold damage. So I'm gonna go with Psychic damage. All right. And so that is 9... Uh, 15 points of psychic damage to the Awakened Shrub. Okay, that almost brings it down to death. Okay, and then the one towards the Banshee. That is a 24 to hit. Yes. That is an 8 and a 1, so I'm going to go with Thunder damage. Okay. And so that's 9, 13 points of damage, of thunder damage to the Banshee. Okay, as that shockwave rolls out from impact, you notice that, uh, once again, her spectral body allows a lot of that shockwave just to pass through her. We then move on to Moonbones. All right, Moonbones is going to rush forward into the fray with Odax at his side and try and shield bash this Banshee. All right. Oh, 16 plus 5, 21. Yes, that will definitely hit. And is your shield considered magical? That is not. Okay. Uh, six points of bludgeoning damage. All right. Uh, part of your shield once again enters into her spectral form as you hit, but you do feel at least some impact uh, from that weapon. Oh, uh, got to learn how to math here. All right, there we go. Nala. All right. I am going to go over to Matthews, and I'm going to use nine of my karma points to heal him while simultaneously doing, I guess what you would call, healing damage to the Banshee. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Uh, what then is the type of damage for that? That's the thing. It didn't say, so I, it just says if you heal, you have to do damage. If you do damage, you have to do healing. So okay, um, it never specified, so I guess it technically is healing damage. <laughs> Yeah, let me, uh, real quick, we'll take a quick pause, and I will look it up, because she has yeah, a buttload say. of resistances. Yeah, it doesn't say. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and just call it um, just straight, like, force damage, I guess. Um, radiant damage? Radiant, possibly. Um, that's metagaming. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. But um, that's okay. I'm just going to call it straight damage. Um, it'll overcome resistances unless it has something major against everything. Um when you guys eventually come up against the mega death tyrant beholder. Um, so basically like, you know, yeah. overcomes resistance and immunity kind of a deal. Yeah, exactly. Unless you had something big like that, I'm going to go ahead and say that it just takes the full five, and you did that to the Banshee, correct? Yes, and it was nine. Oh, nine, excuse yes. me. Yes. Yes. So he healed nine, Banshee takes nine damage, and then, Onyx, how are you looking? I've got five hit points. 
Oh shoot. Okay, I'm definitely gonna use my <laughs> bonus action to cast healing word on you two. So that is healing word only hits one person. It doesn't. Oh, it is yeah. only one. I thought it was a group. Oh, that's mass. Sorry, yeah. that's my next one that I took. Heal him. Okay. So yeah, Audix, this will go to you. Okay. Thank goodness we took that short rest. I'm going to use my feline luck to re-roll that one. Hopefully get you just slightly more health. It's a little bit better. That's six points of health. All right. Uh, and that did drop Banshee um, below bloody. So she let out a shriek with that, not a wail, um, but a shriek of pain as that Don't damage you dare did. Don't character. <laughs> Luckily only once per day. All right. Um, we then move on to the enemy. So the Banshee is once again, um, Moonbone, since you interposed yourself between, she will attack you. Oh, that one will that one will hit with a 19. So you will take, ouch, uh, you will take 14 points of necrotic damage. And uh, the shrub is going to once again constrict on Matthias. You don't have a concentration spell up, do you? No. Okay. Uh, I will hit your grand total AC of 10 um, and deal. How? How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Oh, ouch. Um, that will deal also 12 points of bludgeoning damage. 12? 12. 12. Roll the 6 and a 4. It does 2d6 plus 2. I'm down. Okay, Virgil is unconscious. We then move on to Audax. Oh, uh, gonna take a swing at the Banshee again. It's really all that I have available to me right now. Alright. Actually? Mm, no, actually, I can't. That is a 14 to hit. That will hit. And you know what? Yep, we're going to Fury and Hand Strike just because I need all the help I can get. All right. And this will count as magical, correct? This the, portion of the damage? The, the 2d8s are, are force damage. All right. Uh, we're going to reroll those. Gotta love Savage Attacker. That is... 10, 11, 12, 13 points of slashing damage, right. plus 8, 13 points of force damage. Alright, the Banshee is near dispersed, in, is nearly dispersed into the air around her uh, as she is very, very badly damaged. Uh, we then move on to Matthias. I need your first death saving throw. Uh, as a damn fear, I have the racial uh, perk of hard to kill, which I have advantage on death save throws. Oh, I accept the challenge. Oh you are my kidding God. me! Wait, 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 wait. I think we need a standing ovation for this. <laughs> Two nap ones with advantage. <laughs> oh, oh, two death saving throws failed. Hey, That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. can, can we also like like interject one of those? Wah, 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 yes, wah. I will post production. Oh add that in there. Uh, poor thing, Virgil. Snap a picture of that with your camera because I'm gonna post that up. I don't uh, want to. That hurts. <laughs> oh, Moonbones, oh. it is your turn now. Okay, uh, I'm gonna look at Audax and say, Are you okay here? <laughs> I can take a little bit more punishment. I think I'll be alright. Just finish her off. I'll be back in a second. And I drop my shield, and I'm gonna use my bonus action to pull off my arm and rush towards the bush. 
Uh, and I'm gonna say, uh, there's no beating around the bush. <laughs> Get at it with my arm. <laughs> All right. Oh, a natural one. Oh, Lord. This bush, oh. man. I tell you what, this thing is a hard to kill plant. We then, uh, anything else was, uh, oh, you, that was your bonus action movement. All right, Nala. And yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, just that. That's it. Okay, Nala, it is your turn. Uh, I'm going to do Cure Wounds, that way you can get a little bit more health for Matthias. Okay, yes, you run over to him and Cure Wounds. Okay. Well, that's 11 points. Oh. oh, thank you, because uh, I had two fails, because yeah. a nine one is two fails. Yep. Yeah. Gotta love it. Uh, Eleven points? Yes. I'm so angry right now. It's <laughs> a that bush would have attacked you again the next turn, you would have died. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, because uh, you're constricted right I now. I died from a bush. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, and actually... Um, since you were grappled uh, and you were incapacitated, oh, never mind. The condition ends if the grappler is incapacitated, not you. All right. So technically, you are still grappled. I know. Um, anything is a bonus action, Nala, or are you good? That's it for now. All right. On to them. The bush ain't going to change what it's doing, so it once again grapples and attacks. Believe it or not, that doesn't hit. Even with advantage, I don't know how. That was a two and a five. You are so lucky with that one. All right, and then the Banshee. Now that Onyx has been revealed, she attacks. Hey, I rolled, uh, let's see, 15. That is exactly okay. That is exactly what I needed. Um, you take. Uh, didn't roll great with that. That is seven points of necrotic damage. All right, uh, then we are on to Onyx. That is an 11. Not quite enough, no. She is just nimble enough to swoop out of the way as your great sword swings down. But on to Matthias. Uh, I'm going to Chaos Bolt uh, the Shrub, because obviously that is the most <laughs> powerful enemy here. <laughs> uh, oh my god, that's a 10. That is not quite enough, no, despite being grappled by this, this creature. This is not fair. Yes, you, you shoot the ground uh, between some of the vines. Move on to Moonbones. You are still within five feet of Matthias and the creature and the shrub. Um, I'm going to reattach my arm as a bonus action. <laughs> and I, can I draw a javelin and throw it? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give that to you. That's fine. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll be looking at uh, Matthias still, but I'll just turn around and huck it at the uh, Banshee. Alright, go ahead and make your attack. Uh, is the Banshee further than 30 feet away from me? No, she would only be 15, maybe 20 at the most. Okay. Uh, 12? 12 will hit exactly, yes. Oh, thank gosh. Alright. Uh, that is 8 points of piercing damage. Alright. The javelin that you throw goes through her and hits the ground on the other side, dealing some damage, but not as much as you would have normally expected. On anything as a bonus action, or you already did, you reattached your arm. Um, on then to Nala. Hmm. Goodness. How are you doing, Audax? How are you looking? I've got... Um... Ow! 
Attacks again and hits surprisingly, um, and deals. I rolled two ones, does four points of damage. Wow! All right, and the banshee once again on X. That will definitely hit with a nineteen uh, plus three um, plus four. Excuse me, uh, still hits, uh, and that is six uh, plus six twelve plus okay. two is fourteen points of necrotic damage. All right, we move on to Matthias. I'm gonna chaos bolt at level two. Okay. <laughs> at the shrub, and I'm using this die because the other one is failing. <laughs> Alrighty, that's a 17 to hit. Yes, and uh, attacking the shrub. Yes. All right. Is that level two? I add an extra d6 to it. That's a two and a seven again. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so I'm just gonna do uh, cold damage this time. Yep. Okay. So that's 9, 13, 17 points of cold damage. This shrub is not able to withstand your cold winter as it freezes and breaks off, snapping like frozen twigs. Oh, we then move on to Moonbones. There's just the banshee All left right. and she is almost gone. I give a nod to Matthias in front of me and I turn around and I run back over towards Odax's uh, down on the ground now. Um, on my way, I will conjure back my shield with my battle sculpt um, as my bonus action. Right. And then I will rush forward and shield bash the banshee. Alright. Ooh, that's pretty good. Uh, 17 to hit. Yes, that will definitely hit. 8 points of bludgeoning damage. And with this last strike of your shield as you push through the Banshee to get to Audax, she disperses into smoke and mist as she disappears entirely. I'm assuming you immediately rush over and medicine check your your buddy to uh, get him back up. Yes. Um, so he is then stabilized. That's and good because I would have died. No, no. I rolled it all out and I would have... I had two successes and then three failures in a row. That is crazy. Uh, after you recover, you guys uh, examining that campfire are able to find a very ornate dagger as well as a skeletal hand wearing an adamantine ring on it. Uh, the ring does not appear to be magical, neither does the dagger. I'm assuming you guys are just going to charge on without any kind of rest. Yes. No. And by charge on, I'm going to charge on straight to my bedroll and collapse. Yes, after after having healed you, you barely open your eyes long enough uh, to get a glance around before you immediately pass out into sleep. So everybody can go ahead and take the benefits of a long rest. Yay. <laughs> yes. If I'm correct, I read... Gain half my spent hit dice on a long rest? Correct, yes. yes. Everybody regains half of them. 
All right. Anything else you guys would like to do uh, during your long rest or immediately after before you guys hit the road again? Mm, I can't think of anything. All right. Uh, one uh, way. I might, sorry, I might try and collect my javelin if I can. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You are easily able to recover that. And then I kind of pick up the skeletal arm with the ring and I kind of go over to Moonbones. Do you want this as a spare or <laughs> can we just take the ring off of it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> you now have a skeletal hand kind of hanging out of one of your pouches on the side, just just flopping there. It's a spare. <laughs> it's a spare, yes. I just pictured you like in his rib cage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we then uh, need one final survival check from everybody. DC 11. Nope, that's a fail. 16. 14. All right. The two are able to... uh, Two are just enough to make it. And you guys get to this glen. After traversing the forest path, signs of the goblin's passage lead to what looks like a small mountain, or rather a chunk of larger flying mountain, unceremoniously dropped in the middle of a forest glen. It looks like that because it's precisely what it is. To make matters worse, the entire glen is littered with large pools of fetid green water that leak from the giant rock. Whatever happened here has decimated the local plant life. So you guys have gotten to this large chunk of rock uh, that has landed here. The land is twisted and corrupted around you. The trees have gone black with rot and bear strange growths of slimy green crystal around them. And the ground is soggy with oozing green muck. The air is thick and humid. There's like no real moving breeze, so the stench is absolutely disgusting. Um, while the sky is clear, the sun provides bright light in the day, um, and the pools kind of glow almost with this dim green light. So wherever there is a little bit of shade or whatnot, there is that light. These pools are very disgusting uh, looking as they obviously glow and stink uh, like you wouldn't believe. And it's almost a pungent alchemical smell, almost like what that goblin smelled like that you inspected. So what would you guys like to do? Moonbones will go up to one of the pools, kneel down, take off his gloves, put his hand in the water, and begin drinking. And turn around and say, Mmm, refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) You, You do the little bits that you're able to, the few drops you're able to get off of your hands... Um, are absolutely disgusting. It tastes almost as if you're sucking on an iron sword, just metallic and and gross. However, it doesn't appear to be harmful uh, to you. So I would guess that, that Oddax would probably see this and it would probably remind him of some of the you know pits of nastiness that he saw around areas that the Vord had overtaken during the great war that spanned his homeland. Okay. And so he's going to avoid them like the plague. Okay, yes, you are able to kind of skirt your way around all of these pools and uh, this massive fragment in the center of the glen, you can see when you get closer there appears to be a crack um, that leads deeper within this. Uh, You can see a small trickle of that green liquid uh, flowing into a nearby pool there, kind of through that large crack. Would you guys like to enter it and check out what's going on there, or what would you guys like to do? We can check it out and just, be, just walk cautiously. Okay, uh, going to try and stealth then, or what would you guys... 
you doing? Or just walking in just cautiously? <clears throat> I don't sneak. <laughs> oh, I don't either, but... I have, I have disadvantage on stealth checks, so... Well, I was just not so much stealth, but just yeah. going slow, keeping an eye out for loose rock or traps, you know, that kind of... I can do that, yeah. Okay. Uh, then as you guys enter in through this crack, you notice that um, the interior was once of hewn stone, but a lot of it must have been destroyed as it is very crumbly. Um, it, it is crumbled all around you, and the floor is very uneven, but it does consist of what was once nicely paved tiles, um, but they are once again cracked and partially destroyed. Um, let's see. Is it dark in here? Uh, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, it is dim light, but it, the pools, there are pools within it that glow. So the entire area kind of has a green glowing um, light about it. The air is thick and humid and smells of that very strong metallic stench. Uh, and there are several large pools. You see three of them right ahead of you. Um that are bright green and glowing, even more concentrated than the pools outside. And it smells of pungent alchemical fumes. Uh, you can hear bubbling and bubbling and the rattling of change, as well as some shouting um, of goblin. Does anybody speak goblin? Okay, then indistinguishable um, goblin sounds uh, being shouted back and forth. The interior of this mountain is surprisingly well lit, though. The corridor before you is rough, once-level floor of hewn stone and tiles that has been utterly destroyed. The same can be said of the walls as well. The corridor winds to the left before opening into a large, irregular chamber. Whatever happened here has decimated the local plant life. Pools of the same bubbling green liquid are scattered around the room. Thick iron chains hang from the ceiling, some on rails and other on hinged bars with massive pulleys. The sounds of shouted orders, tinkling glass, and the banging of iron on iron can be heard deeper within this chamber. So there's this about 15-foot-wide passage that opens up into a larger room. Everybody go ahead and give me a uh, perception check, and if you guys would be attempting to be stealthy, give me a stealth check. If not, don't worry about it. That is a 10 for perception. 10? 8 for perception. Birds <laughs> have got a 3. Brayden, what did uh, you get? 12. 12. 12 for perception. All right, anybody that got higher than a 10 can see from the furthest away pool, which would be about 50 feet away, the back of a goblin that appears to be carrying something, um, kind of skirt away and off out of view around the corner. Would you guys kind of peek around the corner a little bit more, or what would you guys like to do? There are two green pools in front of you, about um, 20 and 35 feet, respectfully, and then another pool, another 50 feet. May I go up to one of the pools quickly, taking the hand that I had gathered from the previous encounter? Obviously, the ring's been removed, but I'd like to put the sort of skeletal hand just down into one of the pools and see what happens immediately. Okay, yes. Um, you dip the hand in the pool, and it bubbles slightly, but um, doesn't seem to have any other real effect, as there's no real flesh or anything left with on this. But as you do that, you hear shouts in Goblin around you, and you hear, um, let's see, 
five distinct goblin shouts along with one much deeper, much louder shout around you. Everybody, roll me initiative. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all good. All right, so the turn order will go. Audax, Moonbones, the enemy, Matthias, and Nala. So, um, Moonbones, as you are the closest one there, your party is about 20 feet behind you, just around the corner. You see um, there are three glowing pools on this lower section, as well as what you see um, up above are two more possibly glowing pools. And this ledge is about 10 foot high, so you can't actually see them, but you see that green glow around them. Um, you also can hear the shouts, three of the shouts, coming from on top of that ledge though you can't really see who. And there are two goblins down at that farthest pool um, in front of you. So the uh, two of the goblins that you can see are the smaller thugs that you guys fought earlier. Um, you cannot see any of the others around. All right, then I'll just uh, hustle up to the, how far, about how far off were they? Uh, the thugs would be from where you are standing about 50 feet away. About 50 feet? The uh, ledge is um, about 30 feet um, to your right. So you come around the corner, the goblins are kind of diagonal up from you, um, diagonal and to the right, about 50 feet. The ledge, um, where there is more shouting and whatnot, is directly to the right around the corner, about 30 feet. And there's a walkway um, on the far edge of that, about 50 feet away to get to that higher ledge. All right, so I will move up. I will run up my full movement and then heave my hand axe at one of the goblins. Okay, uh, thirty foot movement. Yep. All right, uh, closest goblin, not a problem. Five will not. Or eight, an eight probably won't hit him. No, not quite. It splashes into the pool uh, next to him, splashing up liquid, but it doesn't appear to have touched any of the goblins. All right, just on to. Just lost my favorite hand axe. Oh no! On to Moonbones! Alright, I'd say that Moonbones wouldn't have summoned his shield as a reaction on his initiative. Uh, but as he starts his turn, he's going to pull a javelin and throw it towards one of the uh, thugs. Okay, go ahead. Are uh, they, they further than 30 feet away from him? Uh, you would have to move up about 20 feet in order to get them, but then they would be uh, within 30. Okay, I'll do that. Alright. Moving your full 30 or moving up just 20? Just 20. That's only a 10 to hit. A 10? No, not quite enough. Another weapon goes splashing into the pool next to them. Alright, and as a bonus action, I will do my battle scope and create my shield. Okay. We then move on to the enemies. You hear a strange string of, of magic that you aren't exactly... 100% sure of, and um, uh, uh, from up above in that higher area, uh, and then immediately afterwards, a large hulking goblin, uh, much like the berserker that you fought earlier, uh, comes rushing down that um, that ramp at an incredible pace, faster than a normal goblin would normally move, and zooms all the way to almost. Oh no, he would be able to get within. Uh, melee of uh, of uh, Audax and slashes twice with his great axe at incredible speed, both recklessly. You believe he's under the effects of the haste spell. Um, one will hit and one will not. Uh, so you take ah, terrible damage. Uh, you take seven points total 
of slashing damage from that axe. Uh, the two thugs are going to advance on you as well, Odd Axe. And uh, the first one will... Oh, both will get advantage because they have an ally within five feet on both attacks. One will hit from the first goblin. And both will hit from the second goblin. You take a grand total of 20 points of bludgeoning damage. I rolled really well on those. Okay, uh... And then we are on to Matthias. Okay, so there's a Berserker and two thugs. Yes, there's a hasted Berserker um, and two thugs on um, Odax, 30 feet in front of you. And then there was a spellcaster of some variety up on that ledge, um, 30 feet plus some odd back. You can't see him. Okay, uh, but that's all the enemies that are there? Uh, yeah, the other Berserker. There was one other um, thug that made it partway down the ramp but didn't get quite to you guys. Okay. I will cast... I'm going to cast Crown of Madness on the Berserker again. Okay. Uh, so, Wisdom save. Alright. That was a 10. Okay. He is under the effect of Crown of Madness. Oh, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> Especially for a hasted creature. Alright. Um, and I think that is all I'm going to do for now. Alright, Nala, it's your turn. Alright, well, I'm going to move up closer. Not necessarily within melee range, because I, you know, stay uh-huh. back a little bit and don't have... Standing next to Moonbones 20 feet up instead of 30? Yeah. Alright. Um, and then I'm just going to take out my short bow at this point. Okay. Attacking uh, which one? One of the thugs or um, the berserker? Uh, one of the thugs. Okay. And that is a 12? 12 will hit, yes. Awesome. Okay. And that is eight points of damage. Not too shabby. Uh, the one closest to you, or the one one of them attacking um, Audax, or the furthest one away on the rail? I would be going with the one on Audax. Okay. All right. You lodge an arrow once again into the shoulder of this creature, dealing him damage but not yet putting him out. We then go back to the top of the initiative order to 20, and as a lair action, <laughs> I love lair actions, a cloud of mist summons itself from one of the pools and floats over to that creature that you just lodged an arrow in, and you see some of the blood coming out of his wound um, begin to close up and slowly stop bleeding. All right, then Onyx, it is your turn. Uh, Big Ugly was the first one that hit me, so he's the first one I'm going to hit back. All right. Poor little 12 hit him. A 12 is just short of what you need to hit him. Oh, with haste, it was uh, like a little bit more than that. But, um, yes, not quite enough to hit. He is so speedy that he is easily able to duck your greatsword. Moonbones! Alright, so as my action, I'm going to drink my Hill Giant Strength Potion. Alright! You see his non-existent muscles. You see his bones. He, he gets muscles on his bones, Popeye style. <laughs> it's terrifying to witness. Alright, um, uh, anything as a bonus action? Uh, I'll rush forward and just stand next to Odax. Alright, yes, you are able to get kind of between him and one of the thugs, kind of shuffling your way into there. Uh, we move on to those enemies. Uh, you hear once again a string of uncomprehensible magical language and a ray of sickly green energy comes down at you, Moonbones. 
Uh, let me check this spell real quick to see what kind of save it is. So would we be able to see the thing then? Uh, yes, you would be able to see this large goblin appear from around the corner of this large column up against the ledge. Uh, and the string of incomprehensible language comes out of his mouth as he points his finger at uh, Moonbow. I need... Oh, never mind. It's a ranged spell attack. So let me see uh, if this hits you. Uh, that definitely hits you with a 19 plus whatever his modifier is. Uh, let's see. On a hit, the target deals only half damage with weapon attacks that use strength until the spell ends. So on the, each, of your, each of your turns, you can make a constitution saving throw at the end to see if it ends. Uh, so yes, this ray of enfeebling energy uh, strikes you. Uh, let's see, the Berserker is going to recklessly swing twice at um, Audax. I'm assuming yeah. Moonbow. Oh, that's yeah, right, yeah, Virgil. You have Crown of Madness. Attacks a thug twice recklessly. And I'm going to say it's the same one that has the arrow launched in it. Oh, crap. Uh, that's one crit. And that's a 19. All right, let's see what's left of this goblin buddy when he gets done. Uh, that is 14 plus 12. So 22 points of damage against one of the thugs. He has cleanly removed one of the thug's arms from his body. And the thug is now bleeding out. It is only a matter of time before he is gone. Uh, and he's going to repeat his saving throw. That's a seven. So he is still underneath your control. Uh, the two thugs, uh, one of them finishes running up to your party and is going to attack Moonbow. The other one is going to attack Odax. Uh, Moonbow, are you going? Yeah. Okay. All right. He swings twice. Uh, miss and a miss as well. Uh, and then for you, Moonbow, that is a hit on the first attack with a, oh no, uh, 17. So that one misses. And that is a crit on the second one. So that one will hit. And Moonbow, you take nine points of bludgeoning damage from that. Reduced by three to six. All right. We then move on to Matthias. How far away is the spellcaster from us? Uh, immediately after casting that ray, he moved back. So uh, the ledge is about 20 feet away from you to get to the ramp. It would be 30 feet or so. Uh, and the, the ledge that he is on is 10 foot high. So he is somewhere back past that ledge. You can't see him. About how far, though? Because we would have seen him. How far is he from us? Oh, he came right to the edge of the ledge and shot that spell. So he was 20 feet away, and then he backed away back behind so you couldn't see him. So there's a large column there that he kind of peeked around, shot, and ran back behind. Okay, that's what I was curious yes, about. Yes, he's a sneaky little spellcaster. Okay, all right. Um, I am going to uh, maintain uh, Crown of Madness. Okay. And that's going to be my turn. Okay. Are you going to move forward towards the ramp or stay where you're at? You kind of have to dodge your way around all the enemies, uh, but you could probably get um, within 15 feet of the ramp or so. I just want to be within 30 feet of the ramp. Am I within 30 feet of... No, you would be within about 40 feet. You would need to kind of go around the fray. Is there any cover that I could stay behind? You know, like a rock or a pillar I could hide behind? Uh, not without going a long ways out of your way. Right now you guys okay. are kind of fighting in between no, two I'm just going to stay where I am in the back. Okay, yep. And like I said, you guys are kind of fighting near the two pools, so you guys are all kind of within 
about a 15, 20 foot radius of one another. Okay. All right. On uh, then to Nala. All right. Um, I'm going to uh, cast Word of Radiance on the thug. Nice. Okay, so I need a constitution saving throw. Against any one of them? Uh, the one that uh, got attacked by the berserk? Any one that would be in five feet of me, and I'm up by Audax at this point. Okay, uh, I would say you'd need to move up another five feet, because okay. I had you in the back row. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, you step up another five feet, and you can get two of them, I'll say. Uh, and what kind of a save is it? Con save. Con save. One passes with an 18 plus two, the other one fails with an eight plus two. All right, he takes 1d6 radiant damage. All right, go ahead and roll that. Okay. Oof, I'm going to use my feline luck to re-roll that one. That is three plus... Do I do the spell modifier for that? Unless it says so. Okay, it didn't, so it's just three. Okay, that definitely uh, sears him with some of that radiant energy uh, as you do that. On back to Onyx. The Berserker or one of the thugs? The Berserker. All right. He was attacking recklessly, and I need all the advantage I can get. (laughs) Okay. All right, that is 19 to hit. Yes, that will definitely strike him even with haste. And we're going to Fury Enhance our strike. Ouch. Uh, So that's 3, 8, 11 slashing damage plus 14 uh, force damage. Ouch, that was a significant blow to this creature. 14, you said, for the last one? Ah, almost bloodied, but not quite. We then uh, move on to Moonbones. Okay, I will rush forward, uh, casting the Wrathful Smite as a bonus action. Arr. My shield. And I'm going to attack the same enemy that Odax just attacked. Okay, yes. Make your attack. Uh, six, but I have plus seven now because of my hill giant strength, so 13. Yes, uh, no, uh, with haste, that is not quite enough to hit, unfortunately. Damn. Yes, that plus two to AC definitely helps with haste. All right, I can uh, maintain concentration on this Wrathful Smite, so it's the next weapon attack that hits as long as I'm concentrating on it. Okay, uh, not a problem then. Let me look up the effects of haste real quick. I want to make sure, I believe it's a plus two. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, just want to double check because I know I'll catch all the internet hate if I don't do that right. I think it's plus two advantage on decks. Yeah, that's what I thought. Extra action. Yeah, plus two extra action advantage on deck saving throws. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, so that was not quite enough to hit with this creature that's all sped up and shaky. Uh, we then move on to the enemies. The Berserker once again... Oh, uh, the guy at the top... Um, steps forward, and I need from Matthias let me see what yeah. kind of saving throw it is. I believe yeah. it's wisdom, but I'm not sure. A constitution saving throw from you. That's a 23. That is more than enough. You see your vision and all the sound or you see your vision go black and all the sound cuts out for a moment, but you're able to regain your senses uh, as the spell hits you. And immediately this creature ducks back behind that column again. Um, The Berserker once again attacks his little buddy and he attacks recklessly with one hit and believe it or not, one miss. But that one hit is likely enough. Yep, that one hit was enough to cleave this creature, this uh, thug, 
uh, to his knees and just takes him out completely. You now have two thugs, the Berserker, and that Spellcaster remaining. We move on to Matthias. Oh, the two thugs that are left. Um, one will attack Matthias, the, er, uh, excuse me, one will attack Onax, the other one will attack Moonbones. And I'm assuming uh, Moonbones? Yep. All right. Um, that will, the first attack will miss against uh, Onax, the second one will hit. Uh, roll the 16 and an 18. So you take eight points of bludgeoning damage, Oddax, and oh, that's one crit and one miss uh, again, Moonbones. Oh, and I rolled two ones, so that is a whole four points of damage. Um, Reduced to one. Yes, <laughs> on a crit even. Okay. Um, and I'm going to uh, thought as well. I had to roll a Constitution saving throw at the end of my last turn. I yes. To do that. Oh yeah, not wrong. Go ahead. Uh, that was only a uh, eight, but I'll make my uh, concentration check now as well. Yes. Uh, that is enough to maintain rough as well. All right, and I forgot uh, on initiative count 20 last round um, uh, to uh, have a lair effect happen. Um, but once again, some mist. Oh, no, wait, I can't do two of them at the same time. So um, we'll go ahead and we'll skip it this time, and next time I will do it uh, correctly. But there would have been a lair action that happened on 20. So go ahead, uh, Matthias, it is your turn. Uh, I'm going to use my action to... Okay, I want to see if this is okay with you. I want to use my action to maintain Crown of Madness, mm -hmm. but I want to quicken spell and then hold that and like run up and hold it and wait for that spellcaster to pop his head back out and cast a spell as a bonus act. Can I do that? Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and allow because technically you're just concentrating on it. So I'll allow you to hold your action okay. for the thing. So it would you'd just be holding your action as usual. Okay. So yeah. Um, I'm going to be holding the charm person spell, waiting for that spellcaster to pop his head out, and then I'm going to cast it when I see him. Is charm person concentration? No, it is not. Okay, yes, then that is not a problem then. All right, Nala, it is your turn. Alright, Onyx, are you still looking okay, or...? You're not like, okay. <laughs> you haven't said anything, so I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah, I'm close enough to you. I'm gonna use... <laughs> he, he held up a single finger for for your uh, information there. Alright. <laughs> he has one whole hit point. Yikes. I'll be using my action to use my karma points to heal you for nine, and then damage the closest thug for nine. Alright. <laughs> that, uh... Lethal energy, that, that opposite of life energy, scalds this. Oh, shoot. Uh, go ahead. Uh, this, uh, excuse me, this energy scalds this goblin um, slightly as uh, that goes off. And I need, I totally forgot to do this when the Berserker uh, brought down that one goblin, it exploded. So I need everybody to give me a DC 10 or DC 11 constitution save. Everyone that's in five feet of it? Yes. So that would have been. Um, Hope, you got up within five feet. That would have been Moonbones and um, Micah. 17. Okay. And, okay, yes. Hope, less than 11. Yeah. All right, you oh. take one point of I necrotic I actually have damage. a quick thing. Huh? I don't know if this would work for it. I have a thing that I haven't used yet, but if I have to make a saving throw, I can reverse it to make the person who's making me do the saving throw take it. Does that work for this situation? Since He's already dead, okay. no. If it makes you feel better, um, both thugs also took the damage, so they both took one point. 
Okay. I just kind of wanted to see if that would even work with that. Yep, unfortunately not. Since the creature's dead, um, it doesn't get the saving throw. But uh, as a bonus action on that turn, I will also use Healing Word to okay. give you a couple more points. Hopefully. That's seven. I will take it. <laughs> Alright, and it is now initiative count 20. A cloud of noxious green fumes fills the area where... Uh, let's see. I'm going to make this Dungeon Dragons official by rolling. Um, one Micah, two Hope, three Virgil, uh, four Braden. All right, two Hope. A cloud of noxious fumes with a five-foot radius sphere centered on uh, you, uh, Hope, fills that zone. I need a DC 13 constitution save. Okay. 17. Okay. You cough and choke, but and you feel this very noxious... Um, gas start to infiltrate your lungs, but you are not um, poisoned by this. Okay, Audax, it is your turn. We're going to swing at the Berserker again. 23 will hit. Okay. For 13 points of slashing damage. Ouch. Against the big guy? Yep. Okay. And what was that to hit? Sorry. Uh... One T yeah. something. Not a problem. Okay, uh, that was enough to bring him below bloodied. We then move on to Moonbones. Alright. I don't this guy can run really quick, so I don't really want him being frightened of me. I'm going to mm, I'll drop my shield and I'll ready a javelin. Okay. And I'm gonna hold my action until I see that mage hop around the corner. Alright, both of you are holding your actions, uh Matthias and Moonbones. Right as um, that hobgoblin cre- uh, comes around the corner, both of you can do your effects as he is casting a spell. So go ahead and... and how, yep, go ahead. How far away is he, sir? Oh, yeah. He would be, from you, about 30 feet ahead and 10 foot up, so I'll just call it uh, an even 30. Okay. Right, go ahead and 15. roll. 15? Yes, that does hit. <clears throat> He takes six points of piercing damage and two points of psychic damage, and I need him to make a wisdom saving throw. Oh, ouch, yes. Ah, that was a four. All right, he is frightened of me. He turns to flee as a reaction, but Virgil, you can still get your... He would be too far away then. If he turns and moves, I won't... Or Or it would be at the same time. You guys acted basically simultaneously. And I need a second constitution check to see if he... Or concentration check. To see if he keeps con- yeah, he keeps concentration on haste. But okay. okay, I was gonna ca- or cast charm person on him. Oh, okay. Um, so it. Yeah, one would be- one would break the other. So it's your call, and if you would like to do that or not. If he's running away, I'll just leave him be, and but that burn that would waste my my spell slot. So I'll just. I am so sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> no, that it's is all not good, a problem. Man. He turns to flee, which is almost as good because he was about ready to cast. Um, another doozy of a spell. So uh, he turns and runs away at that point. The, um, let's see, the Berserker once again is going to attack um, a different creature. Uh, which one of the thugs again? Yeah, the thugs. Okay, attacks one of the thugs recklessly. So quick question, Bob. Yes. Does he have to stay within range for haste to stay up, because once he leaves 30 feet, it might drop. Oh, that is a very good point. Let me check that. I did not realize that that was that short of a range. 
I'm going to go ahead and um, rule it as a no in this instance. He can move out of the range because he cast it at 30 feet, and he's been between 30 and 40 feet. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to stick for right now, but um, I will definitely look that over and check Sage Advice um, uh, column to double-check that. Um, and try and figure that out for next time. I only just now thought of it, otherwise I would Yeah, I didn't even pay attention to the range of that spell. Um, okay, so uh, one of those was a uh, nat 1 and a 12. Uh, so that will hit the goblin for the first attack. And the second one, ouch, uh, 4 to 6. So neither of those will hit his buddy the second time. But the one attack that he did do deals 10 points of damage and another one of the goblins is nearly taken out by that swing. <clears throat> the two thugs then uh, continue to advance, they attack their respective targets, and Moonbones, I'm assuming disadvantage on Audax? Uh, I don't have my shield currently, so... Okay, so regular. Alright, one miss, and one another miss for Audax. And one miss, one hit on Moonbones. Uh, let's see, 18? Yeah, so he rolled a 19. Okay. Uh, my AC is 16, apparently, because of my lack of shield. Okay, uh, they would still only be one hit, so that is five points of bludgeoning damage on that. Didn't roll very high. Okay, uh, we then move on to, let's see, uh, Matthias. Oh, no, uh, you held your action, so you would be initiative order uh, back uh, right before the enemy. So then, uh, Nala, it is your turn. Alright, how are the thugs looking? The thugs, uh, the one is almost dead, uh, the other one isn't doing too bad, just took that one point of damage from Word of Radiance. Okay. Um... Oh, and the Berserker is still, he's bloody, but barely. I'm going to try to cast Inflict Wounds on the thug that is doing better. Okay. And what's to say, uh, attack roll? Is that it's a an attack roll, so... Alright. That's an 18? Yes, that will hit. Awesome. Okay. That is 20 points of necrotic damage. Holy cow. Uh, he is well below bloody and on his way to death's door, but not yet quite dead. All right, back to initiative count 20. Um, let's see, a cloud of mist raises up out of one of the pools and surrounds the uh, creature that you just hit with that Inflict Wound spell. And you see some of his wounds begin to once again knit closed. Alright, we move on to uh, Audax. We're gonna take a swing at the Berserker again. Alright. 21 to hit. Yes, that will hit. Um, we're going to Savage Attack reroll that. And we're going to make that 11 points of slashing damage. All right. He is definitely not looking good at this point as that cleave took out a good chunk of his side. He knows that it's getting close to the end, but he will continue to fight on, crazed with this anger. We then move on to Moonbones. All right. How many enemies are left around us aside the Berserker? The one Berserker, and then there are two thugs. Uh, both are bloodied, um, and then the Hobgoblin that you feared is still out of sight. Okay. Uh, I will use my bonus action to sculpt my shield back, and I will uh, attack the Berserker in front of me. Okay. 
Ooh, 16 plus 7, so 23. Yes, that makes contact. Okay, he takes 13 points of bludgeoning damage. Ow! And I assume that's hard still because I'm under defensive rate of entry Yes, that is. Thank you for reminding me. I was going to say, that brings him almost down to death's door, but yes, half would keep him up by uh, a little bit more than that. And who among my friends around me looks the most injured? I'm a little... I'm right about half. I think the other two are totally fine, aren't you? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, the other okay. two are fine. I'll, I'll stick beside uh, Odex. And that'll be my turn. All right. Uh, we then uh, move... My, oh, yes. So my um, saving throw was 12 at the end of my turn to get rid of infeasement. <laughs> oh, uh, let me see. What is his saving throw? Probably should have looked at that beforehand. Uh, not quite enough. No, DC 13. So close, but not quite. All right. Uh, let's see. We then move on to Matthias. Uh, I'm just going to maintain uh, Crown of Madness. Okay. And uh, I'll move back a little ways. Out of the range of that guy? Yeah. All right. Uh, we then move on to the goblins again. Uh, what is the? Is it just for one turn that he is feared, or how does that work with your ability? Uh, he, it's for one minute. He has to use his action to um, stop himself from being feared. Okay. Yes. He will go ahead and use his action then. Uh, oh, that was a crit. So he critted that save. So he is no longer afraid of you. Um, but once again, he is far enough away that it's not going to matter. Uh, he can't really do anything. So, uh, he doesn't do anything else, but the two, uh, oh wait, no, Berserker next. Berserker is going to attack one of his buddies standing next to him, recklessly twice again, and that's a crit, and that's a hit. So let me roll the damage on these individually to see what happens. The one is brought down to three health points, and with the second strike is killed off. I need saving throws from uh, Audax and Moonbones. Uh, oh, poor Micah. <laughs> uh, natural non-team. All right. Uh, you guys, ouch, that was maximum. So, uh, Micah, you take six points of necrotic damage, as does the remaining thug, who is brought down to single hit points, as well as the Berserker, who is down to single digits as well. We move on to... Uh, the one thug that is remaining, he is going to attack Moonbones, and neither of those will hit with a glorious 14 on both of them. Yeah. On to Nala. Saving throw on the... Oh, yes, saving throw on Crown of Madness. That was a 17. I'm going to use my reaction uh, of uh, my racial mesmerizing presence. I can, uh, as a reaction... When you see you, when you see a creature making a saving throw against an illusion or charm effect, you can use your action to spend and roll a hit die, adding the result to the DC of the saving throw. Uh, so I'm going to add four to that. That makes it an 18. Okay, he is still under the effects then. All right, we move on then to um, Nala. I am going to cast Cure Wounds on Audax. That is seven points. That paper is going to be worn out before too terrible long. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. And that's all I'll do right now. All right. 
Onyx, it is now your turn. We're gonna see if we can't finish off this Berserker. That is a 21 to hit. Yes. Dealing. Uh, that is 11 points of slashing damage to the Berserker. Okay, the Berserker goes down. I need dexterity, or a constitution saving throw once again from Audax, Moonbones, and because you next to him healing, I need one from you as well. Five. I worked so hard to keep him charmed. Nine. Oh. All right. So you take four points of necrotic damage. The thug took it as well, which caused him to explode as well upon dying. I need another dexterity saving throw from all three of you. Fifteen. Eleven is exactly what you need to pass. Three. Three. You take six points of necrotic damage, Moonbones. All that is left is the Hobgoblin up top, which is currently cowering in fear. The ramp is about 30 feet, we'll call it 40 feet away from where you guys are. Um, And uh, it goes up about 10 feet before you can see what's above. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Let's see. Moonbones, it would be your turn now. Okay, I'm going to rush to the bottom of the ledge, uh, kneel down. Hold my shield above my head like a uh, like a platform and get and ready my action if I can do all this to uh, sort of boost someone up if they jump onto my shield. Okay, nice. Uh, Matthias, it is your turn. Uh, I'm gonna run up and stand next to uh, Moonbones, and uh, I'm gonna hold my action, uh, but I'm gonna ready a uh, a chaos bolt. Okay. Uh, a first level chaos bolt for when he, uh, for when it uh, appears. All right. Uh, it is now his turn. He uses his action. He already passed, Robert. He did. Yeah, he passed the fear. He oh, that's right. Yes, board. he did. Um, once again, you hear a string of magical language, but you do not see him this time. And right at the final few syllables of this magical language, you hear the voices of three others around him. You believe. We then uh, move on to Nala. So, are we thinking that Audax is going to jump on top of Moonbone Shield and he's going to prop him up? You're the cat. You should be able to do this. <laughs> well, I was thinking if Audax is going to jump up, I'll just jump on Audax and then catch a ride with him up. Yeah, you weigh like, what, six pounds or something like that? No. Well, oh, what was it? I don't know. What do you think so? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, we were talking about this last night. It was funny. So I'm like three and a half years old, and my sword weighs more than she yeah, does. And I weigh 24 pounds. Yeah, that's enough. I'll say you can easily jump on his back waiting. My sword yeah. still probably weighs more than she does. Probably. <laughs> I'm kind of a chunky cat, but <laughs> you think like a regular household cat. I mean, I am a little bit bigger than that, but not by much. 24 pounds is heavy for a cat. But yeah, I'm gonna jump up on your shoulders. That weighs as much as Amelia does, my oldest daughter. Yeah. She weighs, I think, 22 <laughs> something. So that way, you know, if you go up there, I can be next to you to be able to heal you. Okay. Audax, it is now your turn. Um, I may as well make it go. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let my friend's action go to waste. So, uh, I'm just like, alright, he goes. <laughs> take off and uh, make a run and try to 
vault onto the ledge from uh, the, the uh, my shield bearer. Okay, go ahead and both of you give me either athletics or acrobatics checks. Um, not very high. I need a combined total score of 15 between the two of you. That is a 16. Okay. I got a 10. So. Okay, I'm going to say that that is enough. You almost did that extra 24 pounds you weren't ready for. And... Uh, <laughs> It, you weren't able to prop him up as much as you wanted, but his jumping ability was enough to propel himself up onto that ledge. You see, as you land up there, uh, I'm going to say that took about 20 feet of your movement, so you still have 10 feet left. Um, but because he was feared and made his way only partially back, um, you are still about 25 feet away from what now appears to be four goblin, uh, four hobgoblins in alchemist wizardy type robes, robes with bottles and beakers all over him. Alright, I'm gonna use that last, just move up ten more feet and uh, as I'm doing that chuck a hand axe at his face. Okay, go ahead and give me that attack roll. The old hand axe to the face. Yes. That is a 23 to hit and I need to roll a percentage to figure out which one I... Uh, no, I roll it to see which oh, one you right. hit. Um, let's see. Get to the right spell here. Mirror image comes before, and there we go. All right. Um, you hit one of the clones, so go ahead. That is nine points of slashing damage. Yes, and that is enough. The clone is destroyed. There are now three total um, hobgoblins in front of you. I'll just yell down, there's three of them up here. All right. Uh, now we... <laughs> yes, we move on to uh, Moonbones. Uh, I will look at Matthias and say, um, are you going up? Sure. I will continue holding my um, action to boost him up. All right. We then move on to Matthias. All right. I'm gonna jump up, jump off your shield, and get up there. All right. Combined total of 15 between athletics and acrobatics between the two of you. Another 10. That's a uh, 19. Okay. Uh, you real quickly crouched in order to get that spring again, but not quite 100% on your game. But he was easily able to, with his vampire ninja skills, jump off of that shield and land up top. Okay. I'm going to twin spell, uh, chill touch. Ooh. To, yeah, because I see three of them. I'm going to twin yes. and shoot at two of them. All right, go ahead. That is a two, or a, uh, excuse me, that is an eight for one attack. Misses. And a 20 for the other attack. Hits. All right, so that is uh, five points of necrotic damage. Okay, let me see which. Another clone disappears. Okay. All right, we move on then to... The Hobgoblin. Uh, the Hobgoblin creature, you see uh, both um, images reach out their hands and, let's see here, missiles of magical energy fire out uh, towards, I'm going to say, the sorcerer. Why? Because I'm me. <laughs> That'd be so rude. I haven't hit you yet. Deal with it. Well, no, I hit you all with the... You the, killed me! Yeah, but not yet this battle. <laughs> that, but that wasn't, that wasn't a directed attack at you. Yeah, and Virgil, I have rolled all fours for <laughs> these magic missiles. 20 points. I love when you're wow. honest and do more damage. Uh, uh, missile damage to your person. Hey, I'm honest because the internet's going to yell at you. <laughs> Probably, yes. Okay, uh, Nalek, it is your turn. 
you weren't able to tell which of those missiles were re were real or not as the uh, copy did the exact same thing. Are you down yet? No. Close. But Are you no. doing that? I would much rather have one known target to swing at than try to have to guess it too. We're fine. Go for it. As long as he doesn't hit me with, you know, a massive magic missile, I'll probably be able to survive most of anything you can throw at me. Thanks for the hand. <laughs> Since I'm so like on you at this point, do I have to have proficiency in mounts to shoot my bow? No. I can say you easily either hop off to the side or or whatever you want. That's not a problem. Your claws, though, do one point of piercing damage as you, like, latch onto him. <laughs> and I'm down. <laughs> okay, I'm just... Oh, gonna... Virgil, sorry. Um, add seven points to that damage, because once... Um, once per turn, the Hobgoblin can deal an additional seven damage to a creature it hits with a damaging spell attack. Okay. Oh, no, excuse me, never mind. You are not within five feet of an ally, so, right. excuse me, never mind. All right. Um, well, and if you just want to make sure, I, I'm going to use a short bow at one of the... Things? Images? Yes. Yeah. That, that. See if they're real or not. One of that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That is an 18. Alright, that hits. Let me see which one. And that actually hits the real one. Okay. That is five points of damage. Alright. Now you know. <laughs> Alright, they do kind of a running in circle thing. You know, that whole cups shell game thing. So you're not 100% sure again. Uh, on then to... Well, wouldn't he have an arrow stuck in him? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't confuse the issue with that. The one that. with the mirror, the yeah. mirror image now has an arrow <laughs> yes, stuck in Yes, yes, they both have arrows. Um, oh no. It is initiative count 20, and magical chains lash out um, at, let's see, I'm going to go roll this D&D style now that you're all up there, except for Moonbones. Uh, that is on to Audax. I need a dexterity saving throw. It's DC 13. 15. All right. These chains uh, attempted to grasp out at you, but you were able to parry them away with your great sword before they're able to restrain you. <laughs> I parried with a great sword. Heck yeah. Hey, hey, you're just saying. <laughs> On to Audax. 24 to hit. Yes, that hits. Let's see which one. That's a clone. Make him go away. He disappears into a poof of magical smoke. On to Moonbones. You are the only one left at the bottom now. All right. And just to clarify as well, I've been rolling my saving throw at the end of my turns, and I haven't succeeded yet. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, is, is there a way for me to get up? Uh, is there a ramp, did you say? There is a ramp, yes. Uh, from where you would be standing, it is 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 feet away, roughly, from where you were standing. Okay. And I'm roughly, like, 5, 10. Would I be able to dispel my shield and jump up and make the height of the um, 10 foot ledge. Yeah, give me an athletics check. Sure. Or acrobatics, one of the two. <laughs> so bad at athletics checks. Uh, nine. Nine. Not quite enough. You're, you go to grab it and some of your finger bones start to fall apart. Um, and not able to quite lift you up, but you are able to drop back down without losing a hand. Um, not that you don't have a spare, but... Uh, Yes, you're not quite able to, no. But that was just your action. You still have your movement. Okay, I will move towards the ramp. All right. You uh, move towards the ramp. You can able to go all the way up the ramp and see the creature in front of you. So you can use a bonus action if you would like. 
Uh, he with the Hobgoblin, since you came around from the other side, would only be about 15 feet away from you as you come up that ramp. Okay. I will, since I dispelled my shield, as my bonus action, I'll re-sculpt my shield. <laughs> Alright. Uh, we then move on to Matthias. I am going to cast Witch Bolts at Ooh. the second level. Alright, lightning hands. Unlimited. Very limited. <laughs> That's a 10 to hit? No, that does not quite hit. Oh, poor, poor Virgil. You're aiming at the clone that disappeared right as uh, the uh, uh, right as it disappeared, so it goes wide. Uh, we then move on to the Hobgoblin, which is going to, in classical D&D fashion, we are going to roll to see who gets hit with this spell. That's a four. So Moonbones, he sees you approaching from behind and is very, very uh, worried about that and casts Magic Missile at you. However, since he used up the last of his second level slots, uh, this is only first level, so that is six plus four is ten, plus two is another ten, uh, twelve. So twelve points of damage total. Force damage. Right. We then... Moonbones is looking rough. All right. Uh, we then move on to Nala. Moonbones would be on the other side of the enemy from you, so you would uh, have to run past him. I still can't heal him. I don't have anything. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. How are you guys looking? <laughs> I'm a little under half. Um, I have one third of my health left. The Hobgoblin isn't looking too bad. You guys haven't hit him but twice. What, what do you guys think? What do you want me do to do? Do what you would do. Okay, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna use my healer kit on you all. Alright. So. Do you have the healer's kit? Yes. Or the healer feet? Yes, I do. Okay, awesome. And that's five. Alright. Alright. That puts me a little bit over half. Gotta love band-aids and neosporin. We'll fix anything. <laughs> Alright. Uh, we then move on to initiative count 20. He summons from one of the green pools near him mists that envelop him and heal him for some of his wounds. You see that arrow slowly work its way out of that wound uh, as it seals up. All right. We move on then to uh, Audax. Let's, uh, let's not hit him. Okay. You unfortunately miss with that attack. Moonbones, you are 15 feet away from behind. All right, my saving throw last turn was 14 as well. I believe that makes it this one. Uh, yes, his DC is 13. Okay, I will run forward casting Wrathful Smite onto my shield, and I'm going to jump into him and shield bash him. All right, nice. Okay, uh, strength, uh, oh no, shield bash, not the shove, so go ahead. Uh, that's a 25 to hit. Most definitely. All right, so that's 11 points of bludgeoning damage, four points of psychic damage, and he needs to make a wisdom save throw. All right. That was a 19. All right. But still, that did a significant amount of damage to him, and it's, he is now below bloodied. Uh, any of my friends within five feet of him as well? Uh, let's see, yes. Uh, not within five feet of you. You would have to be on the other side, but... Um, Audax is right on the other side of him, so you guys are kind of each... Uh, well, you're on the back, he's on the front. Would I... Do I have any movement left? Would I be able to circle around to the side of Audax? Yeah, that would be fine, because you would have only been about 15 feet away from him. So, yeah, you can circle around and get within five feet of Audax. Okay. 
All right, Matthias, it is your turn. I'm going to use Chill Touch. Ooh, very nice. That's a 24 to hit. Yes, that will hit. That is six points of necrotic damage. All right, yes, your spectral hand reaches out and grips at him as you see some of his remaining runes uh, begin to putrefy. And he cannot regain health until the end of my next turn. Ouch, very powerful. Okay, we then move on to his turn. He is going to, once again, D&D fashion. I'm going to roll to see who this hits. However, I'm mixing it up a little bit. Uh, let's see, that is one. So, Audax, I need a constitution saving throw from you. Eight. Eight. Nine, uh, sorry, nine. That is not quite enough, no. You take, as this ray of green, sickly energy bursts out from his finger... Oh, Jesus. Uh, you take only three points of poison damage. I rolled a one and a two on that. But you are also poisoned until the end of your next turn. So you have disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. We then move on to Nala. Are you still looking okay? Or, well, besides the... <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, hovering right around half. Okay. Would a healer's kit help with poisoning or... No. Would what? A healer's kit? Would that do no. anything? I didn't think so. Just thought I'd double check. Um... And how far away is the hobgoblin? Uh, if you were behind Audax, 10, 15 feet, something like that. Because I'm assuming you're maintaining a little bit of dis- distance since you're using a bow. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try doing inflict wounds on the hobgoblin. All right. Go ahead and make your attack roll. Please let this work. Okay, that is uh, a natural 20. Yes, that definitely hits. Okay, that that is very nice. Okay, there's 12, 21 points of necrotic damage. The rest of his wounds begin to putrefy, and this goblin falls into a pile and expires. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) You finish off the hobgoblin. This one obviously doesn't explode, um, but you finish him off, and the entire room goes completely silent. Do you guys search the body and everything in this whole chamber? Yeah. All right. Why not? You guys are able to find, as you search, 250 gold pieces worth of uh, chemical reagents and magical components. And you see that this hobgoblin is wearing this about six inch wide swath of maroon silk, a full 23 feet in length. And the, it functions kind of as a spell book, as embroidered on this are the spells, uh, a, a varying amount of spells, all within his repertoire. He also carries a green glowing stone that feels vaguely magical uh, around his neck on a heavy iron chain, as well as a spell scroll in a scroll case on his side. Um, you do find on one of the fallen thugs down at the bottom, two potions of healing. And uh, that is basically all. Do you guys want to try an arcana check to figure out what those items are that you found? Yeah. Moon is pretty smart. I'll give it a roll. All right. Arcana 17. Okay. Uh, just 10. All right. You are able to, between the two of you, put together that this stone made of murky green crystal um, and set upon heavy pig iron chain uh, is a stone of good luck. 
So, uh, as an action, uh, it, it, well, it grants a plus one bonus to ability checks and saving throws. And then as an action, the wearer can cause this stone to shed pale green light like a torch. So whoever mm -hmm. wants that can have that one. And then um, the spell scroll that you guys found is a spell scroll of Find Familiar. Uh, other than that, that is basically it. Uh, I don't think anybody really uses a spell book here, do you? Okay, then the spells wouldn't be of any use uh, uh, with the fabric that you found. Do you want a cat familiar? Whole <laughs> <laughs> Hope is vibrating over here with excitement. I think she My wants a cat familiar. My clouder is growing. I, I can, there can be two cats, and I can have another cat in my clouder. <laughs> okay, I, whoever can cast the spell Find Familiar uh, can use the spell scroll to summon a familiar. And yes, it can be a cat if you wish. I have no problem with that. Think about this though, we go into a battle and suddenly Moonbones opens his skeletal jaw and a bat flies out. <laughs> that would be creepy. That's that would be horrific. Awesome. It is whatever it's you like, guys would like it's to It's like do. reverse Ozzy Osbourne. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that would be, yes, exactly, reverse Ozzy Osbourne. Alright, after that you guys are able to return to the farm where uh, they are more than uh, grateful for everything that you guys have done to help and uh, they give your party as a reward 25 gold pieces uh, in various coins uh, for saving the boy as well as uh, helping the farmers uh, with this major problem and then you return back to Hillsfar uh, awaiting your next assignment so this is where we will go ahead and end for this week uh, next week when we get back together, we will talk about what all happened last session and all of the cool and awesome things that your classes and races are ever able to do. And we will take on the Echoes of the Weeping War. So thank you guys very, very much. Go ahead and say goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of the Homebrew Review. If you would like a chance to join our show and vote on who gets in and what material makes it, please visit our Patreon page where you can help support our podcast and possibly join the crew here. Also, if you would like to follow us, we are on Facebook at Guild Adventure. You can also find us on our website along with links to all the material at www.theadventuringguild.com. So thank you all very much and we hope to see you next week.